Howdy, folks. Welcome to the latest episode of Podcast Plays Dungeons and Dragons. Um, Which number is this? It is episode 11. 11. We've now been doing it for a year and a month. Last episode was a year. Yeah. Like, and it was our 10th episode, Ryan. Yeah. So this is. You guys, you didn't know. The 11th episode, and we've been doing this for a year and one month. Year and one month. And a couple of days. Because it's just over the. It's now we're, record, we're recording this episode on the. Uh, Get this down the, to the second. To the second. That requires maths, though. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I could if I really, really wanted to, but I'd, I'd, it'd be boring for everyone. But, uh, yes, welcome to the latest episode of Podcast Plays Under Dragons. Um, I am your DM, as always. I'm Wayne, and we have the, the cadre of players with us. Um, we left off uh, after freeing the denizens of the City of Bones uh, that was being ruled by the sleazy and controlling Valak the Lesser. The group make their way back to the back, sorry, make their way on the back of miniature dragon mounts to the Sky Islands, where they discover the Black Asylum, a disturbing place that supposedly has a link to Norman's past. While investigating, Aratir experiences some sort of vision uh, where she finds herself in the middle of a vicious battle outside the walls of Terrace Moor. Some of her companions are lying dead at her feet. Large crystalline spiders roam the battlefield, laying waste to everything around them. During, during further investigation, after Avertir comes back out of her trance, um, Loran discovers a mysterious book, <laughs> uh, which has a, stra- a strange effect on Norman, forcing his true form out of his meat sleeve, uh, as I call them. <laughs> that is kind of... Uh. <laughs> out of his meat sleeve. Uh, it forces him to find a new vessel, and he settles on the body of a recently deceased young elf. Uh, kind of, a, of, a, of a, if an elf can be in the teenage years, that's kind of in that general vicinity, is what it's like. Yeah, he's a, he's a broody teen elf. Yeah, broody teen elf. Uh, they investigate further into the asylum, finding a very large laboratory, and at the back of this, they discover what seems to be some sort of gateway into the unknown. Um, Norman believing it to be uh, be a portal uh, in a, and his return to his own plane of existence immediately steps through it no questions asked yeah Norm, Norman loves stepping through doors just, oh, that's his favourite thing kicking them down and straight does not even bother to kick them down but straight through the doors I just um, love doors just loves doors in general first first uh, Ogan <laughs> who was trying to investigate the further the portal a bit further uh, also got sucked in um, oh, I thought it was a game yeah. I didn't want to go last because I'm always going last in these things. So I thought second would be good. But since no one else is coming through, looks like I'm last again. So following this uh, and a, a minor emotional breakdown, believing that Norman and Ogan have both been killed after entering the mysterious whirling portal, Loran and Aratir and Codine, uh, Loran with Aratir and Codine in tow, decides to leave the Black Asylum. Uh, while very much alive, Ogan and Norman find themselves in the most unexpected company of a gargantuan silver dragon who claims to be none other than Dacius Trevelyan. That's where we left off. Ugh. So we are going to start off this session with uh, Loran, Aratir and Codine as they are beginning to make their way back out of the laboratory area. So what did the group, what did the group want to do at this point? I'm going home. Okay. I want to leave. <laughs> I'm tired of this place. <laughs> I'm going back to my man and dad to beg them to take me back <laughs> into my lavish lifestyle. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I have done nothing wrong in my life ever. <laughs> I'm I'm asset rich, but cash poor. 
my God. Um, so Loran is making a beeline for the door. What is Aratir and Cody doing at this point? Uh, I look to Aratir. Um, has Loran exclaimed that? Has she, has she actually flounced out and said, I'm going home? Or has she said anything? Uh, he has... He, oh my God. <laughs> a, year, a year and one month into the campaign, we still, the gender fluidity of Loran is just like... Uh, that's, um, like that's like 13 months. Yeah. He is. Good at man for some. 13 genders in 13 months. <laughs> um, I'm here for it. I don't think he's really said. I think he's kind of just like, oh, well, this is it now. We're finished. So he's going to fund me. So I don't think Odin is going to, huh? He did invite Aratir to come live in his big palace. That's true. <laughs> yes. He did. So I don't think Codeine would allow an emotionally distressed tiefling that has already been through quite a lot of trauma and is uh, slightly unreliable uh, would would follow him out of here. But I presume Aratir is and Cody wants to keep some semblance of a group together. So, nothing. if, if our, hmm? Presume nothing, bitch. like, particularly after Aratir and Loran's little chat uh, a couple of episodes ago, Aratir's quite tuned into how he's feeling, and I'm not going to let him flounce off. Um, He's, he's talked about before how he doesn't really have anywhere to go. So should we not just stay together for the time being? It is quite presumptive on Laurent's part that the parents will take him back. <laughs> the, the parents will take are him back. Or that his parents are alive. No, they are alive. One canon thing is he didn't kill his parents. He just planned to. Yeah. <laughs> but they might have died of natural causes in this time. Yeah. yeah. It's, well, it's, I, I like uh, Laurent, can you do me a favor just real quick and roll a history check, please? <laughs> roll for dead parents. <laughs> roll for dead parents. <laughs> Don't use the Disney dice. Do not use the Disney dice. <laughs> uh, 14. 14. You, as far as you remember from dealing with Valak uh, in your realm, uh, your parents were under his trial. They were under his control of some sort and they were, from your vision of what you saw, you don't, you can't remember whether they're alive or dead. You just do remember that they were under his control. Sure. So in his mind, he's like, that means there is a beautiful golden chance they won't remember anything and I'll be in the good <laughs> books. So... <laughs> well, everyone else under... Just not not to be the the devil on the shoulder, but <laughs> stop metagaming. You're not here. Yeah, that's yeah, true. No, this yeah, is. Yeah. No, I'm not playing. You're not here. here. I'm playing Laurent's conscience right now. Can <laughs> I have I have I have two cards, and my other one is Laurent's conscience. Yeah, Valak. All the other people under Valak's control remembered everything. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, we gotta risk it sometimes. Oh no, I just think this is gonna be really fun. <laughs> Can I ask a geography question? You can't ask a geography where, question. Uh, Laurent, where was your homestead? Whereabouts in the world? Great question. Yeah. The world. Where was my gap? Because I left that part nice. up to you because I didn't know the map too well. So here's the thing. Um, when you arrived here, you arrived here through a portal. Yeah. As far as you remember. 
and uh, you're into not you're not no into this realm of of the into the realm of Terrace Moor. When oh. when Loran arrived here, as you remember, upon your account with Valak, you ended up going through a portal. So you don't know how far your home is from here. You don't know as far as your geography is concerned because Loran is a fucking uh-huh. idiot. Yeah. Yeah. He's a dumb uh, thought. Yeah. So I mean, if you want to try and remember what the situation is, I'll let you roll with disadvantage. What am I rolling? Roll a history check. Another history check with disadvantage. You are. That one will be a fifteen. Eleven. Eleven. You really can't remember, given your current geographical situation, the way home. Hmm. So you rolled for where in the world, and you rolled Teresa Low. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm. I'm going. I'm going. I'm sorry. Fire, Kimbo. <laughs> yeah, she definitely didn't roll Carmen San Diego anyway. Um, so, uh, Loran, right now, even though you're adamant that you're leaving and you need to go home, right now in your mind, you don't know where home is from yeah. here. From here, from this particular point, you've no recollection of your of your of your kind of like where your true north is as, as getting yourself home. Perhaps sure, the real I... home is the friend you made along the way. Definitely not. Um, it's not here, no. <laughs> Right here. I think he's stubborn enough that he's just gonna get on the dragon and fly until he sees what looks like his house. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. So, um, are the three of tracks. are the three of you making your way out of the laboratory? I mean, probably. Okay. Is this is is one thing I just about that I've never asked? Is this like is this a is this a curved world or a flat world? <laughs> Because if, if what do you like, mean? All 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 worlds are flat. What do you yeah, what are you about? But this is a fantasy setting, so it could be a sphere. Or you could make it up and make um, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. That would be weird. Uh, all your stuff would fall off the table. It'd be, all I'll it'd say be as the DM is that all things will be revealed regarding geography. Okay. Oh. Flat Earth. Yeah, because we. I, I tried Earth. in the last game and didn't know Jack. Because okay. <laughs> so, um, are the three of you making your way out of the laboratory? Well, time. I assume so. Okay. Uh, Probably tr- together. Yeah, I mean, if, if Loran is leading the way <laughs> and kind of like steamrolling out of here, I take it the two of you are following him, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Our tier is and I'm following our tier. Okay. No offense, Loran. So Loran, I don't like you. <laughs> as Loran, Loran heads through the doorway first and as the two of you are following up and you both make your way in quick succession out, you hear a kind of a popping sound as you make your way through the doorway. And you find yourself back in the um, kind of corridor area of the asylum. Because previously how you got down here, you came down through a lift shaft. We did. And up a corridor and uh, in through this doorway. As you went in through the doorway, originally there was a kind of a feeling that you had shifted in distance and you right. had traveled. And sure. as you make your way back through the doorway, even though the entryway is open and clear, as you step through that doorway, there's another sense that you're traveling and there's a pop in your mind and you boom, and you kind of operate into the main hallway of the asylum and uh, Loran first and then in quick succession the two of you boom, land in behind him these guys knew what they were doing yeah um, as this happens I want all of you to roll perception five five <laughs> oh one nine yeah one 
Um, character is like, hang on, this is an asylum. <laughs> um, you all pop in and start to make your way back down the corridor. And as you do this, none of you notice that you are completely surrounded. Oh, bollocks. You look, uh, as you kind of are making your way, you're not paying any attention to your surroundings, but up on the catwalks above you. Character is so oblivious, she's actually whistling. (laughs) (laughs) Up on the catwalks above you, kind of hiding out of the, like hiding in the corridors beside you in in the adjacent rooms. You don't see cloaked individuals, but there is one individual standing at the far end of the corridor as that you're walking down. And they are standing there and they have a bo- what looks like a bow and arrow knocked and pointed in your general direction. Right. Um, it's a cloaked figure. Um, from your perception roles, you can't really make it much more than that. And you just hear them in a very kind of calm, commanding voice. I bid you to halt where you stand. Well, fuck. Well, we, we do that. Um, as you all stop, you look up and you now start to see all these individuals. Some of them with, with kind of like bows, some of them with spears. There also seem to be a few spellcasters. You can't really make out exact numbers, but you are severely outnumbered. Like 10 to 1 kind of thing? Easily 10 to 1. Um, the individual in front of you slowly is moving towards you, still with their uh, bow drawn. Um, uh, Codeine, I don't think we can fight our way out of this, so your silver tongue may come in real handy about now. Okay, I'm going to... Oh. Hmm? No pressure, like. No pressure. <laughs> um, I am... The, the cloaked individual that spoke is directly in front of us, Wayne? Yeah, so in the corridor that you're in, you're kind of... Like, Loran is out in front. Aratir directly behind oh, him, and then you're uh, behind Aratir because it's the the order that you came out of the doorway. Um, okay, uh, I am going to gently hoosh Loran back behind. Thank you. I didn't want to do that. There's enough strikes against me with Loran. <laughs> I okay. Just, I am going just, to just like 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 a little bird. Back there. I'm take that cue. I'm going to circumvent the. The group the head. Okay, that's fan art right there. Just ran under her arm, just like. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Love him. <laughs> I'm gonna head to the top. Like and... holding with just his head poking out like a. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to. I'm going to go up with my just with my hands raised and say uh, and. Um, see, this is the problem where after roleplay being charming, it's, I mean, I'm just, can do it. Can I, I, I will can also I roll remind, four I will, dice in a row and Wayne does also, my dialogue for me. I will also huh? remind you that you have that yeah. spell I gave you. Oh no, I did not forget about that and I should have used it that time with Norman, but we'll get to that. Sorry, so, can I make a quick action before Cody? Of course you can, yeah, of course you can. So I make a tiny hook for me and Aratir. <laughs> <laughs> I do not like inside. So, um, these tiny hot, these tiny hot maneuvers are, I mean, tiny, so powerful. Tiny hot maneuvers. If I didn't already have the name of the episode planned, tiny hot maneuvers would be like, oh, the name of our, it's the name Perfect. of our second album. Uh, yeah, it is. Oh, amazing. Um, and our spin off band. And our spin off band, tiny hot maneuvers. Um, so. 
hurricane headaches. But anyway. Yeah. Um, as Loran casts this spell, and the, the hut like <laughs> into existence around Aratir and Loran. Um, okay. <laughs> you know the the group that, that are kind of encompassing the area all tense, and you <laughs> see the individual at the end pull their bow right back. I go. Yeah. I bid you hold, and explain your reason for being here. Well done, Loran. Anyway, I move. I move towards him with my hands up. I can't hear you. Loran has cast her tiny hut. His tiny hut. His tiny hut. And Aratir is trapped inside, leaving Codeine outside to deal with the uh, kind of surrounding forces. And this one individual that's now walking towards you after the hut is into existence this individual has now knocked their bow back further and has raised it up to eye level and is basically demanding explain your presence here okay I've got my I've got my hands up but in a kind of cool way not in it are you 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 got this (laughs) does hands I say despite my companion's nervousness we're no threat to you. Um, I'm not nervous. He I'm is. also not nervous. I just wanted you to handle this. <laughs> okay, and now, can I just clarify as well, just to make sure? You're if, both in a hook. I can't hear either of you. If you're of both you. in a hook, if you're shouting, can can Cody hear you? I don't think. If you, I want her to, I think. If no. you want, so it's like I think this because that hook kind of keeps sound and everything in there. Uh, protected. Okay. He's sticking their faces out like this, like they I could be. They could be if they want. Oh, are no. we like a human to- totem? So like there's white. <laughs> Head underneath. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, they're salting my game if I can hear their yelling. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. as Cody approaches, you say that you're here, like you're trying to convince them that you're not here under any dodgy pretense. Uh, I need you to roll yeah. persuasion. Okay. I, gonna... okay. I was, oh, and just on the end, I say, um, what can we do in order to get out of here without bothering anybody? Uh, um. Well, and I rolled a 23. Baby. Ooh, he, 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 okay. The individual kind of, you see the bow slack slightly. And Not only still, is he persuaded, he's now in love with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he, he basically kind of relaxes the bow ever so slightly, but is still keeping it trained on you. And it's like, you're investigating. Yes. Well, there is a way out of here, but it's with us, and I can't be persuaded otherwise because there is somebody you need to speak to. Ugh. Okay, can you take me to them? Um, and he kind of looks up and he, he drops the bow slightly and he raises his hand. Uh, we can. It would require your colleagues to come out from their dwelling. Their diminutive dwelling. Did not pick up the tent. No. no. Okay. No, it's stuck. It's 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 kind of contains everything in there. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much. Okay, I'm gonna walk back to the tiny hut and um, I'm going to address my companions and say, uh, uh, "Guys, there's one way out of here, and it's with uh, these guys." And um, can I roll persuasion again? Because Loran is just like not having most of my. Business. Does that make 
I get to make a charisma saving throw against You can, Cody? yeah. If, you, if you're going to roll persuasion against Loran, Loran can't roll uh, kind of charisma against you to see if it works or not. So Okay. There's also, there's one, uh, just to really like get the mental image of this down, one really funny thing about the tiny hut is that it's completely opaque from the outside, so you can't see in, but it's completely transparent from the inside. <laughs> so it's like being in one of those weird, uh, weird like glass boxes, it's, it's yeah. all one way glass. Yeah, it's like it's like wow. a viewing it's like a viewing bubble, or in this case, I take yeah. it it's still taking the form that it took the last time, which was of a little miniature teepee. So yeah. as for for everyone else's concern, that's outside of it. They just see this like out of nowhere. This like boom, this TP have folded out and enveloped the large form of Aratir and the, and the, the lesser large form of, of, of Loran, and they're kind of like yeah. So, but from from within there, you're just looking out on everyone else, all kind of looking <laughs> at where you are, quite confused. And now Cody has come up to the the TP and is kind of like boom, 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 on the canvas and has addressed both of you inside it. Um, and if you want to roll persuasion against Loran there, and Loran, if you want to roll your charisma check or a saving throw against it. I just sent my roll to uh, the group chat. <laughs> that was to the... Yeah. That's the wrong group chat, Kim. 28. Both. 28. 28. Oh, cool. I, got a, I got a one. So. Oh, so okay. not only not only does Loran leave the tiny hood, he marries me. I love that. <laughs> like I don't see it from me, but okay. I still don't feel like in character Loran would go along with Cody's instructions. Like I know character, it makes sense yeah. for him. But yeah. I won't argue with the numbers if that's how you want to do it. Well, we've always gone with character over numbers. Yeah, we've always game. gone with character. It's always about the story. Yeah. It's never about the roles. So, I mean, it's a case of... The, the roles will come into it when they really need to. So you it's, know, it's, but it's, you can throw a tantrum every step of the way. Yeah, you, like, I mean, if, 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 you, if you allow for Aratir to leave the hut... And, and then Aratir, yeah, Aratir can leave. Yeah, but if Aratir then tries to drag you from the hut, there's going to be conflict here. So if Loran is going to throw a strop and just stay there, there's going to be a guard that's going to stay with Loran and not let Loran move from that hut. And Loran is going to right, be left probably in the more hut. than one. Because it's a case of right now, these guards, the, whoever these people are, if you want to leave the asylum, it's their way or no way at all. Okay. That's pretty much how it is. Wow, so that's that's what you're getting from the fact that there's now about, as you can see, as Codeine looks up and looks around, there's a, easily about forty to fifty of these people, okay. all all in different, all in different kind of positions, all of different strengths. One or some of them are using marital weapons, some of them are using magic. The three of you could not take these people down, yeah. and if depending on how you want to do this, depending on as as you want to do it as a group. It could either go messy and could end up with a TPK, or it could go with you just want to decide that you're actually going to follow this group to where they want to take you. It's your choice. If if they burn down the tiny hut, that would be a, a TPK. <laughs> hey! oh, I held that in, Ryan. Why would you do that? Yeah, just let it out. That's what we're here for. So let me just get in this situation that we're in. On one hand, I can go with all of these angry men with lots of weapons. I can stay you put it here. That way. I can stay here and maybe be killed. 
Yep. <laughs> I could go into the weird portal and hope I die. Well, I kind of want to go with these guys because what else am I going to do? And I'd rather have you around to do that. Yeah, I value our friendship. However, I'm not willing to do life-changing things for you. I don't mean that to be mean. Fair enough. So you're going to stay here? Be guarded by these guys? Because I'm going to go with Cody. I'm going to start moving towards, uh, back towards the man. I'm going to come out of the tiny ah. hut, and I'm going to straight up to the main guy. Okay. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, shit. <laughs> Listen, mister. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Don't you know who I am? <laughs> it's like, excuse me, sir, I understand we're in a strange pickle here. This is completely unnecessary. I mean, you are, what, 50 guys? We're like three people, two of us can do combat? Gosh, I hope you feel tough. Second of all, who are you? He kind of looks down and there's kind of a, a bit of a, a little kind of twitch in the side of his mouth. Yeah. He kind of just looks and he's like, my name is Gore. And uh, right. I am the leader of this small group here. Uh, it's not really a small group, but we are a small group. That's quite a big group. In the grand scheme of things, where we come from, we are a small group. Okay. You're a trio. And yes, okay. I've been sent to find the people that have infiltrated the asylum. Which are you three, by the looks of it. And thank well. you. Infiltrated. We just got here. We just also, got here. I, it wasn't locked. So we didn't really infiltrate? No. Well, you are here and you set off our alarms. I'm not one to answer your questions. I am merely a soldier. I have to take you to somebody Are you here for Shazzy? Who? Sorry. Uh, I, I do not know who this Shazzy person is. I am, we have merely been sent to retrieve the individuals that are now traipsing around the asylum, which are you Why treating? Do you want to retrieve us? Could you just let us go home? You don't understand. There are grander things here that you need to understand. Oh, there always are. Yes, there are. And we are merely just playing parts in it right now. I'm going to throw Gore a look saying, yeah, you see what I have to deal with? It's okay. Let's, let's go. So what did the group want to do here now? What does Loran want to do? Like clearly Cody and Aratir, do you want to go with Gore and the rest of yeah. these individuals? Is it possible to get back to the portal? Um, you get the feeling that if you try to move from here, at least there there might be some resistance to you going back into because right now, so you, when you materialize, you materialize into the long corridor it leads into yeah. leads into the big room at the end of the corridor. Um, you would have to go back up and down again to get to it. So the portal brought you out into this particular section. Well, so I mean, the, I fucking guess we go with the guys then. Yeah. Okay, so glad um, to have you, So Gore, <laughs> Gore, kind of motions around and kind of does a circling motion, and you see kind of people drop off and some jump down off the balcony area, and uh, it's like, well, we must give you a 
D's free travel. And he reaches out to each of you in, in t individually and pins what looks like a kind of a small brooch uh, with a green gem in the center on your tunic and on your armor, each individually as he does it. Um, and don't you don't let him. He doesn't, I don't trust this guy and he's suddenly putting some weird magical brooch on me. Absolutely not. Okay. Might be jabs you with it by mistake. Yeah, see, he could be yeah. careless. He's like pinning it to your And plus, my clothes are super nice. He's not going to put a pin through them. Very nice clothes. Right, well, he goes, if you do not wish to, at least hold it. Yeah, I'll hold it. That's fine. What is it? Huh? What is it? Don't touch the fantasy d, &D. It is a, um, a device that allows us all to travel instantaneously together as a group. Um... Okay, so where exactly are we leaving? Are we leaving this location? Yes, we are. Are we leaving this plane? Um, again, all will be revealed. I need you to come with me. <laughs> no, I need a bit more information before um, I'm gonna yeah. with you. by brooch. Um, he yeah. kind of looks around, and everyone is kind of looking at him as if to say, like, hurry okay. up. Um, and they they now look around. They all start to look around themselves as you notice that they've made a circle around you and are are guarding themselves outwardly, as if they're oh. expecting something. So what you're oh. saying is, with this brooch, we will all simultaneously, as a whole group, travel. Yes. All right. Um, he kind of looks at. He's like. All I will tell you is, and all I can tell you at this moment in my limited knowledge of the situation is that we need to leave the asylum now. We can only be here for a short period of time on each trip. We are the guardians of this place and we guard it from what inhabits its darker corners. If you come with us, you will be safe. I guarantee your safety. We mean you no harm. What about our dragons? Your dragons? Yes. Is this how you managed to get here? Yes. Are they tethered up outside? Yeah. Yes. Bear with me a second. He turns, you see him go off to three of the three of his companions who were standing off to one side. And you just hear mumbling, he gestures, and the two the three of them look at each other and make their way out. Um and they, you see them go out through the, the double doors at the, at the far end of the corridor. After a couple of minutes, one of them comes back in and raises his hand and does this. And, and, and Gore signals and it's like... And you see them then try to handle and bring in three of the dragon mounts in through the double doors. Um, and as they get close, they, it takes them some time. And again, the group are starting to get a bit more fra uh, fractious and anxious about the whole situation. You start to hear noises in the far reaches of the asylum um, kind of like sounds like stuff breaking and and every now and again a, a small wail of such um, the, the, the dragon mounts are slowly but surely brought into the centre of the circle uh, and Gore kind of gestures towards them as he places uh, he reaches into a pouch at his side and places a medallion on each of their saddles um, he can I approach my dragon? you can yeah, yeah. yeah um, I've to my dragon and I kind of like, you know, run a hand kind of over it. But I would like to make a sleight of hand roll to put my pin in a saddle pouch. Okay. 
Ooh. And it's only eight. And Gore rolled a 15 on perception. So he saw you try to do it. And he mm. kind of reaches over and, and, and holds your hand with the pin in it. And then looks over at three of his colleagues that are, seem to be casting something. And in an instant, all of you together are transported. <laughs> there is like a, a kind of a, a tense pulling sensation as you're all dragged inwards. And then... Much like the travel through the doorway early, earlier on, there's like a... <clears throat> and you find yourself all kind of like landing as if you were falling, boom, on your feet. Uh, your mounts kind of land beside you, like... <clears throat> look around, a bit anxious, kind of a strange look on their faces as they kind of adjust to their new settings. Um, as you look around, you find yourself what looks like uh, you're inside a cave system, uh, underground. Um... <laughs> There is light all around you. There are like um, sconces on the walls as there are tor- torchlight all along the walls. Um, it seems to be a large circular chamber um, with, as you kind of, as your eyes kind of adjust and you look around, there seems to be s- text and scrawls on the wall around this general circular area. And on the floor, you see a large kind of circular, not a pentagram shape, but general intersecting lines with script all over it. Um, Gore kind of motions his hand again and the, the group around you disperse and the three individuals that were holding onto your mounts kind of begin to lead the way and Gore gestures towards him like they will be safe um, we will care for them and feed them and when it is time for your departure you may leave with them uh, he kind of gestures towards a, a kind of an open cavern area that leads out of the circular area uh, and Jess is like, please follow me. Um, and he kind of starts to make his way off. Um, at this point, I'm going to switch over to Norman and Ogan. Um, hey, where, we left off, where we left off with Norman and Ogan, they were um, met with the visage of this giant gargantuan silver dragon that had just told them that he, he is Dacius Trevelyan, uh, at which Norman was quite per- put out by. Um, that would be a fair assessment. Say that again. Yeah. So what did the two of you? What did the two of you? What are the two of you doing at this moment? Walking as far as I, as far as I can and as fast as I can in the other direction from this prick. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, 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 Ogan, what are you doing? I'm not too sure. <laughs> I'm gonna look around. Ogan's gonna look around. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm uh, not even looking at our surroundings. I'm just picking a direction and going in it. I'm not talking to this guy. Is, is the is the portal closed? Um, well, the corridor you came back down as you look behind, you don't see anything. There's nothing there. Um, it it looks right, like no it, was just a, it was just a one-way system. Um, Norman, as you're kind of making your way off, you're kind of looking at this general area and it looks like an enclo- enclosed... It's quite a large area, but it's an enclosed cavern. Mm. As you're looking off in the, the distance, you don't really see a way out per se. Hmm. This looks like it's very much a, a, a cage of some sort um, built with rock all around you. The only a- exit or entrance or any kind of leading pathway off is the one you just came down. Does he um, have like, it, because obviously this is a dragon cave, is there like is there like a horde? Does he have there, a horde? There isn't. As you look around, roll a perception check for me please, both of you. Yeah. I thought this was just kind of like some kind of dragon sex dungeon or something. Well, okay. It could be. Um, um, 
that's a that's a thirteen. Thirteen. I think that's an eight. An eight. Um, Norman, you notice that uh, as you're looking around, you're kind of storming off. Um, there is no hoard. There's no Norman. treasure. Uh, storming Norman. There's no treasure of any sort. As you look around, you see that you notice that the the dragon seems to be manacled and chained in place. So there's a huge, <laughs> huge collar around his neck with a massive chain that leads up into the ceiling and is is bolted in with these huge bolts. Um, and there seems to be an arcane glow coming off the chain. The the the, the, the wings are trimmed back and held in place with, with large, what look like padlocks of sort. Uh, his, his back legs are chained and his tail is, it, while it is kind of moving, it does have a chain, on, a manacle on the end that is also chained and up into the wall. His front two legs do seem to be able to move about ever so slightly, but there is also manacles on them and they are chained. So this dragon looks like he is held in place um, by some form of arcane, uh, like manacles, bracers, the whole lot. Everything is trapped in place. Um, oh, well, this could be worse. <laughs> um, he kind of looks around as like, there is no physical way out of here. I have searched and tried to find an exit, but have failed, and I have been here a very long time. Roughly how long? Yeah, I'd like to know that as well. Um, I estimate roughly a couple of hundred years. <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> well, nice. uh, why, why have you, you, you spent so much time down here? It's not... <laughs> Trust me, I did not choose this situation. I am a prisoner of sorts. Oh, that's not nice. Why? Who, who trapped you here? Uh, tell me, I'd like to send them flowers. I, I hate that. They had me in a cage a while ago. That sucked. I, 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 I look at Ogan completely unironically and I'm like, no, that was quite bad, to be fair. I'm, I'm glad you got out of that. <laughs> Thanks. It, I, uh, I really needed to go. Three Give days is a long time. Give Ogan a pound. I, I am quite confused. If you made your way here, you must know who my jailer is. No, I just thought it was a game. He went through I don't some know. kind of mirror thing and I followed. Interesting. Um, it's what I do. Well, it leads you to t places like this. Like, I didn't know that we'd, you know, see you here chained up. I... May I ask you, have you, have you encountered individuals bearing my name? Unfortunately. Have we? I'm very bad with names. Have we? We have? Uh, I, I'm getting... I, I must explain. Uh, you see, my jailer is... A vile creature. He goes by the name of Dillis Kuval. There's a name. Down. He is a drow necromancer of vile machinations. He has designs on molding the world to his liking. And my imprisonment is one of his 
means to an end. You see, many hundreds of years ago, myself and my, from for the search of a better word, my companions tried to put a stop to him. And we were cursed. And I was trapped here. I have, I have been trying to reach out through the veil of this, as I've, I've noticed that the, the gateways and the, the fabric between the realms is softening and failing. May I ask, the world that you inhabit, do you know how it was founded and how it became to be? Uh, yeah, I, I, I woke up and I looked around and there it was. <laughs> I found it. <laughs> why, why, why do you want to know? How old is your lands? Um, I don't know. I don't even know how old I am. So, uh, you see, five? the land you inhabit. Five at least. Five at least. The land you inhabit is not the real world that you know or should know. Kuval is a vile individual, as I have said, but his designs are, are, are that of breaking through and bringing into this realm and other realms creatures of much evil. He believes that the energies in the world that you inhabit are his to play with. And many, many years ago, myself and my companions tried to stop him, as I've said, and we failed, which led to the creation of the world you now inhabit. Honestly, um, this guy kind are, of seems up my street. Were, <laughs> um, were the rest of your mates like yourself, like a dragon, or...? No, um, I I came here in this form, but I can take other forms if needs be. My proxies, if you will, that I've put out in the world, and he raises his right arm, or his right front leg, and you notice that there's a large patch of skin where his scales would be, that is completely, looks like it's been plucked, and there's a large patch where the scales are gone, and he gestures towards it, and it's, it has healed as such over the years, but it, it seems to be some kind of wound. Um, I... That happens with dragons. It happens with dragons. I have sent my emissaries out into the world by plucking my scales. I have found tiny cracks in this existence. And he gestures in the air, and you see his finger kind of make a small tear in the general fabric of reality. A tiny tear that he can fit like his nail through ever so slightly. Uh, it's weird. I, I, I don't remember meeting anybody made out of entire scales. Now that I think of it. Um, Have we? Norman, I, that's why it's... Uh, the name sounds familiar though. But... Yeah. Yeah, tough to say. Wait, could you not shrink yourself down and maybe go through the small That's, hairs? As, as you can said. see, and he kind of tries to gesture up, and as he moves his arms, he kind of the chains go taut, and he's like, I am a prisoner here. It would take some 
extra planar energy to break me loose from this realm. I have no choice but to try and stop Kuval in the only way I know how, and that is to send my emissaries out into the realms to find people such as yourselves. Kuval's name is, is it? Dillis Kuval. I take it if you've encountered my emissaries that they sent you on a quest of sorts. Excuse me? Bless you, Jill. Mm. Yes. Just, <laughs> it's, it feels like it's been like maybe a year and a month since then and it's all blurry. <laughs> you know. I feel as if we've had approximately 11 distinct adventures. Yeah, about that. <laughs> but it's, there is this one guy and he, he has a habit of like being in several places at once, but he didn't look like you and wasn't covered no, in scales. So. he would not look like me. They can't. Can you imagine what it would be like if they saw a gargantuan dragon walking about the place trying to recruit adventurers? I don't know. We're handling it pretty well, so maybe other people would. No, that's not the way people handle things in my experience. Basically, Kuval has been working behind the scenes, pulling the strings, moving events and people into place. He used the tears in reality to bring creatures here to infiltrate, to put themselves in places of power throughout the centuries. And up until now, he has succeeded in that quest. But you being here means that there is hope. You found this place. You found me. Well, kind of by accident, though. Mm. But Just, if, if I had known there was any chance you would be here, I wouldn't. No. You seem uh, to have some disdain towards my character. Quite a lot, yes. I think you are a titanic asshole, but... Um, <laughs> In fairness, Norman, you think a lot of people are like that, though. Hmm. No, that's fair. That's a that's a that's a reasonable assessment. From, um, from what I've been, you know, hearing. No, no, no. Quite right. Quite right. Um, so, um, regardless on, of on your, a question of, yeah, of this Cor Coval, does he does he look like? Does give a description of the only other weird necromancy drow I've seen. Remember when we were in. Um, Codeine's parents' house. Yeah. And that weird, because that's one moment I burned, that was a scary moment. Um, just give a description of that guy. So you give a description of that guy to Dacius? Yeah, so it's going to be very vague, you know, <coughs> it's going to be a real, like, I'm just like, I'm just describing a generic trap. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's kind of him. Bro! It's kind of like a drow, like a drow looking drow. dude. He's got, yeah, like, with, he's like, got hair and a mouth with teeth. Yeah. Um, like he wears clothes. I yeah, want you, I want Ogan to roll a performance check to see if you kind of can enunciate and tell the story to the, to the best of your ability. Oh, well. Perform oh, no. Okay, I got a nine. A nine, okay. You start to describe... It was really scary and he had pointy teeth. <laughs> pointy teeth. Um, you start to describe the situation and the individual that you encountered back in Henrik's Point. And um, as you go through telling, telling uh, Dacius about this individual drow who seemed to have raised the dead, he kind of looks a bit quizzical at you. He's like, maybe, 
this individual generally doesn't show themselves publicly. They let others do their dirty work for them. They have, I take it, you came from the asylum. Uh, you mean recently his house. or in general? <laughs> <laughs> the portal that Duval used to get to this realm to mock me and in, generally in, in the most evil villainous way to inform me of his plans as best he could because he believes I am here for all of eternity. I love this guy. <laughs> well, if he was the guy we bumped into, he was pretty full of himself. Olga didn't like him. Uh, no, was, not the... If that was him, he was quite full of himself, actually. He would be um, quite, um, as you say, full of his own self-importance to a degree. Um, hence his want to rule all of eternity. Uh, um, so, Dacia starts to, to describe what this guy looks like. He, he, he basically says he is obviously a drow of sorts. He, he wears his, his robes are quite elaborate, uh, kind of a deep blue with gold trim, and he carries a staff most of the time. He, as I said, he really is seeing himself. He what does he smell other, like? Um, generally, as a necromancer, he smells of death. Yes, is he? This guy definitely smelled the death. It must be him. Well, as I say, he has used this asylum that you traveled from as a ways and means of bringing creatures to this realm to do his bidding. These are vile, horrible things from other planes of existence. And he. I can relate. He took them and placed them into bodies of individuals that inhabit this realm and allowed them to infiltrate higher echelons of power. It is a dark undertaking and it must be stopped before it is too late. This could lead to all-out war across all of the realms. That's not good. No, that's not great. Um, Norman, did he have anything to do with what what happened to you and yeah, just, going into that thing, yeah. or was that you? Uh, no, just about to uh, get onto that. Um, so, uh, as much much as I'm loath, um, me, uh, I, I say a bunch of like stuff and like primordial, like unhinge my jaw and like a bunch of like tentacles come out and like flap all over. Nice. Pull them back in, and I'm just like, I'll just sniff myself. Yeah, as a vile and horrific creature from another realm. Um, I do have some knowledge on these things. Uh, is there a chance that this fellow was responsible for pulling me in here into this absolutely abysmal place um, to begin with? As you do all of this, and as you say all of this, Dacius kind of is like, you, for, for, for a dragon, his face is quite expressive. And you look and you are kind of like, you see him kind of ever so slightly recoil and then recompose himself. I do it again. And, and, <laughs> 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 it's an you, you are not of this realm. No, not even close. And he kind of Maybe. looks around. His, it's like, how? Oh, Koval has messed up. How did you come to be here? How did? How are you not doing his bidding? Fucking beats me. Yes. I, I don't have a clue. Um, I, 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 I didn't want to be. I just kind of ended up here. Wasn't my first choice of destination. What is your first memory of being in this realm? 
Hmm. Well, I try very hard to block most of it out, but um. Well, I I think I actually I think the first memory would be waking up in this in uh, in some old person, some some feeble little thing. That would have been the first memory. Interesting. Um, you see, you being here with your and and as you did as you kind of as you did the thing with the uh kind of like the mouthpiece where all the tentacles came out um, the beetlejuice special the beetlejuice special um that's when dassy is kind of was like oof um can you do me a favor roll a perception check for me as you this is just 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 uh norman just to see if you notice something as you did this sure. I don't think I notice anything. That's a five. <laughs> oh, okay, you didn't notice anything, but uh, Dassey is kind of like look. It kind of moves closer to you. Kind of, you see his gi- giant head shift down, and kind of like moves in close. And he's like, "You are the key to this puzzle right now. Ooh. Your being and your existence on this plane." is is impossible given that Kuval is not in control of your mind. I know, right? Um, please. Don't look like a key. Come closer. And he kind of moves. You just see him move his arm out ever so slightly. The one that's manacled. And it, 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 kind of the chain goes chink and goes taut and stuff. But he just moves it closer to you. He's like, please move closer. Oh no, don't get me. Hmm. Are you going to try and use it to open his locks? Is that what you're going to try and do? Your, your existence is, you are from a different realm. You, you exert energies. And it is what I need to unlock these bindings. Are, are you sure there isn't a key on the wall that we could use? Maybe behind you or something? Um, you've never seen that happen before, but you see a kind of a slight smile spread across the dragon's face. It's like, there is no key. You are the key. Um, so his head is still like roughly on level with mine, right? Big old head. His head is like his massive head. Like you're yeah. you're you're eclipsed by it. It's huge. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I kind of like look, kind of like glance at the manacle, look up at him. Big. <laughs> so, and you'll keep on saying, yeah. Okay. I must. You are a creature that has traveled between planes just as easily as one might stroll between rooms, it seems. I, I did if, once. I'm talking. If, if I do this, because I'm quite content to rot in here if, if, if this doesn't go my way. If I do this, you devote the entirety of your considerable resources to getting me off of this miserable little place. Or we all die in this cage. Um. Sorry, Ogan. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was, um, what, what's going on? I zoned out there for a sec. <laughs> Are we getting no, out of here? The, We're getting hungry. Dacius kind of moves his head up a bit and kind of contemplates for a second. And kind of looks up at you and looks at the manacles. 
and looks around the cave. And then you see his head move closer in again to you. I give you my word that I will get you home. Mm. Yeah, you haven't said please. Say please. I give you my word I will get you home if you will please help me remove my bindings. Could be better. Well, no points for style, but I suppose I'll allow it. Um, right, what do I do? I need you to stand next to my arm here. And he gestures out. You see him move up the manacle on his right hand. As close as he can get it to you. Um, and I need you to... I take it from the aura you're giving off, you are a magic user of sorts. Of sorts. I need you to cast a spell. Any spell. Not even the direction of the manacles, just be next to it as you do it. Very well. Um, okay, I stand. Hang on, I need to pick a good one. It better be comparable to Tiny Hood. Um, the bee! No, no, it's not time for the bee. No! Uh, the bee I need to save. Um, I stand next to the manacle, and uh, I cast uh, I, I cast Mage Hand, and okay. uh, I make my big glowy green hand, and it flips him off. Um, you, Ogan, you look as you see Norman move forward, and he kind of like gestures ever so wildly, and then boom, this giant green glowing gaseous looking middle finger just drifts into existence and just wafts up in front of the manacle and then up into Dacius Trevelyan's face. And mm. and as you're looking, the manacle starts to glow and twist and turn. And these arcane symbols that are, are the arcane symbols that are embossed on it uh, start to glow ever so slightly. Oh, my camera fell over. That, that, um, was, that was some powerful spell. Some powerful flip off. Yeah. Um, knocked Wayne's camera over. We're reflecting. <laughs> really. the, the manacles twist and turn and turn. Like they seem to revolve within themselves. Uh, Dassey is kind of starts to kind of close his eyes. You hear this like low grumbling mutter as if he's chanting. Um, and then they go silent. The purple glow from the manacle fades and they go dead and start to crack and go grey. And they drop from his hand. There's a large clink. And as they just fall into pieces in front of you. And he kind of reaches up and looks at his clawed hand and then looks down at you and then kind of flexes. Like flexes? Like flexes. Look um, at my big dra- Ah, yes, I am free. <laughs> Look at my big dragon gains. <laughs> Even in the cave, I got swole. <laughs> this is the treasure right here. The only, did, the only thing I've had to do with this cave is pump iron for centuries. Um, and he kind of, as, as he kind of takes him a second, you see this, his eyes are wide as he's able to move his hand higher than he's ever been able to move it in the last 200, 200 plus years. And he kind of, as he's doing this, he absentmindedly reaches out with the second 
with his left hand and left arm, and he kind of and he kind of gestures as if to do it again. Um, Wayne, yeah. Oh, um, uh, Ogun wants to help. Um, even though I don't know if he can, but he just thinks it's a game. So I'm going to cast Produce Flame, you know, <laughs> and, and, and hope that it can do it too. Are you just off to the side doing this? Are you? Yeah, oh, I'm not yeah. like I'm helping. <laughs> so there's like a glow of flame. Ogun is just there, like creating these little orbs of light, just producing this flame, like as if he's dancing to some unheard rave song. Very good. That's really good, Ogun. Yes. Is it working? Um. I can't do the flippy off thing, but I've done a ball <laughs> now, and it's fire. Do, does Norman want to continue to do this? Hmm. So is that is that enough, or do you need more? Or I need to remove at least my two front medicals. I should be able to do the rest to myself because my I can feel my energy returning. Uh. uh yeah. Fine. Just those two. Um, this time, this time uh, I go over to the other manacle, and yeah, I cast Mage Hand again, but this time I get the finger and I put it up his nose. <laughs> so the, the green gaseous hand appears and it's like, vroom, uh, the finger just drifts across the left manacle and then just straight up into the nostril of the dragon who kind of recoils ever so slightly as the, the Mage Hand embeds itself and then in a kind of a gaseous spray of, of, of green, stinky, you would have, what you would imagine to be quite a smelly kind of mage hand, even though oh, it, it reeks. It reeks. Um, really embodying that teenage energy there. Full no. on, full on. Yeah, exactly. Um, He's a rambunctious teen now. This is what he does. Um, He's going to start skateboarding and hanging out with girls. <laughs> uh, kind of, for the sake of brevity, then we'll see Dacius kind of like, uh, you see him reach up, the same thing happens with the manacle, drops, cracks into it a thousand pieces, and he's there with both freed hands, flexing his fingers back and forth, kind of uncurling the, the claws, and in a flurry of bright energy, you see his, his two front claws turn and rip at the manacles on his wings, and he just tears at them and kind of grinds his nails into them and there's a bright flash of energy as he pulls them from from uh, his body. He then reaches up to his neck and it does an even brighter flash as he strains and is growling. As you can see, sparks emanating from the side of his mouth. His eyes start to flicker with blue lightning. It's starting to become quite powerful as the two of you below him kind of are forced to kind of move back and cover your eyes as it gets brighter and brighter. Um, there is lightning kind of crackling over his form as he reefs the, the kind of the choker around his neck and tears it as it splinters into a thousand pieces he throws the remnants of it to the ground and um, finally pulling off the, the the shackles on his legs back legs and his tail he stands and twirls and kind of tries to push himself up in his through his huge form but still within the confines of this ginormous cave and um, and he lets out this deafening um, uh, he kind of stomps around he's like, he, he looks down and he kind of composes himself uh, and looks down at the both of you I am in your death <laughs> and don't forget it I will not um, don't owe me a thing as you notice as he moves around there, the crackling energy just seems to roll off him it seems to be constantly there um, he kind of gestures 
uh, with one talon and slices down in the air and this huge tear appears crackling with energy and he kind of <laughs> reefs it open as you see this huge portal open up in front of you and he reaches down uh, in one fell swoop goes and grabs at the both of you and lifts you up if you wish to stop him or try and get out of the way you can roll a dexterity saving throw with a disadvantage because he is quite large and very fast. now Norman loves going through portals yeah so like my favorite thing I keep he, saying it he picks, he picks both of you up and launches himself through the portal in a blinding flash of crack of energy and light as you feel, feel yourselves being pulled and torn asunder as you travel through the crackling energy all around your body. And we will cut back to the other group. Okay. Um, the three of you are being led through the caves. Um, you come out of a very short tunnel into a much larger opening area. Uh, where you see a large collection of makeshift tents and dwellings. Not as nice as my tent. Not as nice as the, the, no, the of Loran's tiny hut. Um, Although this looks like a battle camp. And that is exactly what it looks like. It looks like this is a, a, a kind of a large militia have formed within this cave structure. Um, as you look around, you take in the site. They're all wearing these makeshift cloaks, but all of them seem to be adorned with the brooch, which upon closer inspections to the one that one that Ran is carrying the, and the other two of you have pinned on your tunics, um, it looks like a, a set of hands that are intertwined around this green gem. Um, it looks handmade. Very, the, the, the artistry isn't brilliant, but it's clear to what it is. Very rushed. Um, and the, the metals that were used to make it seem to be intermixed. Like the mix of metals is like hints of copper and, and, and kind of bright silverish metal strewn throughout it. These are cheaply made trinkets, but the gem in the center is bright and glowing. Um, and everyone seems to be wearing these somewhere on their person, be it kind of strapped underneath their cloak or on their armor as they walk around. Uh, Gora leads you through the camp. And people, some people look up and kind of see this group of people traveling through their camp and kind of give you a curious look um, some don't pay you any heed at all whatsoever um, he walks you through intertwined and there's no real structure to this to just tense higgledy piggledy thread thing uh, but there is a pathway that he leads you through as you come to a larger tent at the end of a corridor uh, end of a corridor within the cave and there is, seems to be a larger tent with a couple of guards posted outside of it there is talking from inside the tent as you hear kind of a, a deep growling voice um Slightly feminine, but a growling voice on the same. Uh, and the two guards... Are they all are, humans? It's Wait, a mixed, mixed... They're mixed races. So you're oh. seeing everything. Oh. It's a smorgasbord of races here. Uh, okay. it's, there are humans, there are dragonborn, there are tieflings, there are drow, there are elves, there are dwarves. It's a mixed bag. The group of people that brought you here were also mixed. They weren't all human. They weren't all male. They were female. They were uh, male. Um, some you couldn't tell their gender because of the race that they were. Um, it was a, a smorgasbord of individuals. Um, there is one common thread amongst all of them that they all seem hardy of sorts, but they all also seem quite haggard. As you look around and you get more of an intake of gore and the people that surround you, they all have sunken eyes. Um, there is a, a kind of a, 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 a taunt look to the skin on their faces. Um, 
they look haggard they hang and worn. Around, they look hanging around the Lewis stop on Abbey Street. <laughs> pretty much, yeah, pretty much. Without without the like, yeah, give a five or four a bottle of milk, will you? There's none of that. All right. So, um, you are brought forward towards this tent at the end of, of this collection of, of dwellings. Um, and as you're there, you notice there are two guards stationed at the front and you can hear voices from inside. Gore kind of motions to the guards and motions to yourselves, please wait here. And he makes his way inside. Uh, he's, he's gone about two, three minutes and you're kind of left standing there looking around and the guards are kind of stoic faces just looking ahead of them every now and again they give you a glance and then just keep looking ahead both of them have kind of like long spears they're wearing um a mishmash of leather armor um one of them has mail under. you can see that they have chain mail underneath but it's it's very higgledy piggledy it's not they don't seem like to be well supplied a lot of this stuff looks like it's very handmade um, and the cloaks are worn and dark material um but they also have the brooches on them as well Gorn reappears, um, sweeping open the cave, the, sorry, the tent covering and gestures the three of you inside. Um, the group make their way in. And yeah. Inside yeah. the tent, you're met with uh, the image of a group of individuals standing around a long table. Sorry, Wayne. Just yeah. to clarify, they haven't taken our weapons at any point. We're they haven't taken our- anything at all. Um. You see this large group of people crowded around the table. The table is open facing you, and they all seem to be on the far side of it. Uh, at the center of these individuals who are all wearing their cloaks, are all wearing mishmash of armor of all different races. Um, you see, from what, in the center, you see this large, imposing, even with her gaunt features, female dragonborn, uh, who immediately gives off the aura that she is the leader. She is pointing and, and, and talking and giving orders and gesturing to the individuals around the table. Um, you look and you see around the table, you see a dwarf, you see a furbolg, yeah, there's a drow male, uh, a female elf, uh, a wood elf of pale complexion. They're, they're all of different stature. They all seem to be of different bearing, but they're all clothed in the same type of cloak, a mishmash of armor with the, with the brooch on the side. The, 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 the dragonborn kind of as she's gesturing and, and talking and giving orders she looks up as the three of you enter and finishes what she's saying and pounds her fist on the table and it's like you have your orders you have your assignments go about your business and report back to me at the day's end um, and they all bow and make their way out she looks up and gestures for the three of you to come forward and moves away from the table off to the side where there's a, a small kind of dresser table where there's like a, a carafe and it seems to be filled with water and she kind of pours herself a glass and takes a sip or you see her tongue flick out from between her teeth and she takes the sip into the glass and uh, and gestures towards a, a collection of chairs that are higgledy-piggledy about the tent please um, take a seat if you wish I'm okay standing, thank you. I'll thank stay you. standing too. I'll have a sit. Laurent sits down. Um, I'm sure you have many questions and are worried why we brought you here under these pretenses and against seemingly, from what Gore tells me, against some of your wills. Um, I will be brief and I will 
try to keep this as inf informative as possible. My name yeah. is Abigail Hemlock. I am the leader of these people. We call ourselves the Lost. We were the former inmates of the Black Asylum. Ooh, okay. We managed to escape that dreaded hellhole and our tormentors under much duress and we lost many. We bring you lunatics. She kind of looks at you and when you say the word lunatic, she you can see that she visibly kind of twitches ever so slightly. Oh god, Lauren. <laughs> we just trust a bunch of people who escaped an asylum. Depends we, how they got there. We were prisoners, and I will explain and hopefully calm any worries you may have about our mental stability. I myself was ripped from my own home, which is far from here. I am not from your realm. I am not even from this plane of existence. The land I inhabited was part of a city, was part of a continent. The city I am from, as far as I'm aware, it still stands, was the city of Jorhas in the continent of Wildmount. Oh, bitch. When you said hemlock, I was like, Ding. yeah. Yeah, we know stuff. I know her. I am the leader of these people, not by choice. We were all taken from our homes. We were all ripped from our planes of existence. Gore here is from a town, a city, he tells me, called Baldur's Gate, a realm <laughs> of of much chaos, but also people who rule and deal with things that are, are done in a civilized way. We have no choice but to fight against our oppressors and escape these people that have ripped us from our homes. We, we were taken and brought to this place of the Black Asylum by our captors and studied and prodded and experimented on. One of these experiments they tried to do against me and I resisted. My latent magic abilities allowed me to stop them from implanting something in my mind a creature of vile existence. During this experiment, I managed to break free and I killed one of my assailants as such, discovering that they were not what they seemed to be. We taught them to be some form of dark scientist, a necromancy of some sort but they turned out to be something far worse. Creatures that we 
are known and seem to be known across all realms as mind flayers. These horrible dark beings seek to subjugate and control individuals using dark magics for their own end and for their hive mind end. But we, I on that evening managed to escape their dark machinations and, and experiments and, and caused quite the stir within the asylum leading to what would be the start of a riot and a rebellion against them. We managed to find our way into one of their laboratories. Our numbers great, way greater than they could ever imagine to fight against. And found our way to what we discovered was a portal that led us here. Where we recuperated and, and tended to our wounded. We have been here for nearly 50 years. Rebuilding. Equipping ourselves. At times, infiltrating the Black Asylum to a point where we managed to capture and kill many of these creatures. Putting an end to their experiments. So... You must understand, when we discovered you there, because we have the asylum alarmed in ways that would allow us to be notified of anyone in entering its doors from the outside. We had previously dealt with an individual who was quite vile and managed to either kill or capture a lot of our people. He was a charming individual of such, with quite a substantial army of followers. Huh? You have to finish that sentence quickly. Yeah. He called himself Valak. He murdered and captured many of our number. and took them with him back to his dwelling. So when we found that you had entered the Black Asylum, we feared he had returned. But clearly that is not the case. Um, can I no. roll Can I roll to see how well Aratir has taken on this information? Like, quite, does she believe it? Yeah, you can roll an insight check. Uh, nine. Nine. As far as you can tell, she's telling the truth. There's no real... You're kind of like, okay, this seems to be up on the up and up. You're not 100% sure, but you, you're, as far as you can tell, she's on the up and up. Okay, well, um, I'm going to say, in Draconic, I believe you. She kind of turns her head ever so slightly and kind of gives a slight kind of twitch at the side of her toothy maw uh, that you kind of interpret as a, as a small smile. Yeah. Um, we, um, yes, we found our way to that lab while we were questing 
and investigating. And we saw firsthand um, the experiments and the impact of phallic. And I'm sorry that you were on the receiving end of that. So, um, you had just asked, Jill, or you just said that you believe uh, Abigail Hemlock, um, and she kind of has kind of ever so slightly smiled in her draconian way. Um, she kind of, she's like, I thank you for your um, trust. We have had a long and arduous task trying to discover why we were brought here. And on our last venture to fight these creatures and vanquish the final group of them, we managed to capture one. And we have been questioning it for information about their dealings and why they are kidnapping people and torturing them and experimenting on them and using them as puppets. Abigail, can I ask you a question? You may. It's been 50 years since you were in the asylum. Valak was in charge then. Was he the only head of the asylum? Valak wasn't in, in charge. Valak, Valak came to the asylum to seek, right. seek the denizens of it, to take them away, and we stopped him. He came, he, he seemed to be interested in, if you came into the asylum, you're aware that it's surrounded by this red crystalline substance. Yes. Yeah. Valak had an interest. He came in looking for. He came looking for that, and also anyone in the asylum he took them with him if they if he didn't kill them to, to, to grow his number. So yeah. he wasn't the one that brought you through the portal to there, somebody else did. We believe these creatures did, but we don't know why. And we've only now, only after 50 years of fighting and dwindling their numbers, have we managed to capture one for questioning. Okay. Um, but my question to you is... Yeah. What brought you to the asylum? Uh, yeah, we went, we went through a portal. It was uh, uh, another companion of ours, a fellow adventurer, found out that that's where he had come from. And uh, we came there in search of answers for him. Um. So your companion came from the asylum. He was one of us. As he, no, she's talking about no. the bestest friend in the whole world called Norman, and he's not from here. And he was just like put there by mistake, and now he's trying to get home. But he's not from there or here. No. So he like us, here. Like ourselves, he was pulled from another plane of existence. Yeah. That's the understanding, yeah. Really, I feel like he's the main victim in all of this. She kind of gives you a quizzical look, and she kind of looks down at you as you're sitting in the chair. She's like, I am sorry for your loss. He seemed to have been dear to you. He was. But he's dead now. By the way, Valak was my ex-husband, so this is like a whole, whole, like, mind fuck. Dead best friend, ex-husband, 
Poor, well, it's a doozy. Dead ex-husband. Dead, yeah, dead ex-husband. All dead, wow. Yeah. It's not great, she, is it? At the mention of Valak and the fact that you were once married, she kind of takes a step back and looks at Gore and looks at Aratir and Codeine and then looks at you and, and it's like, you were associated with Valak. Many well, years ago. Not past the ex-husband bit. Uh, and you I used to put it in his butt. No, other way around. You say I'm a bottom. Oh, you, you're the bottom. Okay, he was the top. Okay, yeah, obviously. Kind of... I mean, come on. Sure. You, was, but you, was, I, I couldn't awful. help but notice you say he was dead. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, dead ex-husband killed by dead best friend. Oh yeah, it's just a whole layer. Yeah, it's of... a whole circle. Obviously, he doesn't hear. She doesn't hear Ryan metagaming. So. Oh, sure. Um, so she's lo- she's looking at Loran completely confused and shocked uh, and he's kind of like this wave of emotions coming over her, her draconian face dragonborn face you're kind of going she's uh, so I, I Valak is responsible for capturing and killing many of our people yeah how and she kind of looks at the trio in disbelief how did you manage to kill him Oh, you remember my dead best friend, Norman, who's the real victim and everything? Well, he sort of half killed him and I killed him and the rest of the way because, well, Norman's very powerful and good. From from the corner where Gorn is standing, you kind of can't help but give a... <laughs> uh, and you kind of... Uh, Abigail kind of looks over them quickly and then looks back at you. C- clearly you are f- more formidable than your outward appearance is. Yes, I'm extremely tough and not to be trifled with. Indeed. Um, yes. Right now, I'm. I. I just want to know. Are you here for the elements of the asylum and the crystals, or are you here for answers? Personally, neither. I would actually just not like to be involved. These two probably. I'm here for answers. I'm here to help anyone overcome existential angst. (laughs) Believe me, there is a lot of angst in this camp. Well, might I invite whoever wishes to accompany us? We have the prisoner and we are in the final stages of the questioning. Yeah, I'll come along. Excellent. Um, so, Zara, is it just Zara here that's going to do this? Are you two going to stay here, or like it's totally your choices? Whatever you want to yeah, do. It's been wanna... a really, really long day. Do you have any tents, with, like beds and stuff? Because I've spent my two third level spells and can't summon another tiny hut. Uh, we we do have dwelling. We can we can give you bedding for the evening and and, and allow you to rest. That is no problem at all. She kind of gestures towards Gore. You kind of like kind of as he kind of leaning against the pole that was in the tent. Kind of like kind of straightens up. And kind of gestures to you, he's like, I'll show you the way over here. Okay. Um, so Loran leaves with Gore to go get some kip. Um, leaves Aratir and Codeine um, with Abigail, who then kind of gestures out of the tent as well and leaves you off. As you look, you see uh, Loran and Gore leave to the left and go off back into the encampment. And Abigail points off down another corridor. Can kind of, you see a kind of a smaller alcove area and points off in that direction? 
we are going down here a short ways. Um, might I ask you a few more questions as we travel? Sure. So, yeah. Walk and talk as such. Um, I, I am leading these people in battle against these forces that are dwindling, but I have a feeling it's not, this is not the bigger picture. There is more to this. We have gotten some answers from this creature, but his mind is closed to many of our abilities. If, if you feel you can persuade him to give you answers, please feel free to step in. Um, I feel that we are, I get a sense we are on both on the same, all of us together are on the same part for justice here. My, my self, I just wish to go home. But I must help these people. It seems to be my lot in all of this. We are a small fighting force, but I feel there was a larger war at stake here. And as you're talking and she leads you down, you feel yourself going down deeper into the cave system. Um, there are deeper underground. Um, there are offshoots and small alcoves off to the left and right as you're traveling downwards. Um, you hear the kind of it's the, the coldness is starting to seep in. Um, whereas the upper area where the, where the main encampment was was warm to a degree, you're going deeper into the cave system and it's getting colder and uh, slightly darker. There are less kind of sconces on the wall with, with torches, um, and you can hear the distant drip, drip, drip of kind of of some cavernous area that is filled with some form of liquid that seems to be dripping onto itself. Um, yeah, enough about your mom. Back to the story. <laughs> hey! Um, you make your way down and you find yourself in this um, open area with this large nondescript tent uh, of dark material. Um, you see at least 10 guards around this general area all standing at as, as close to attention as they can, all trained upon the tent. Um, Abigail kind of leads the way forward and nods to each of the guards who kind of nod in return. You see again, it's a mixed mixed mash of races. Um, there's a, elves, tieflings, uh, a firbolg, um, a human. Uh, there's one dwarf, and you see a goblin, um, who is kind of standing close to the tent. Um, and the goblin seems to be adorned with multiple knives across their bodice. Um, yeah. And they have their hood up, uh, and again, they're all wearing the, they're all adorned with the makeshift gem and with the clasped hands around them. Um, Abigail kind of pushes the flap of the tent away and kind of leads in and holds it open for you all to enter. As you enter into this tent that is in, in pitch darkness, um, the two of you have dark vision, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. So you can, you do make out the innards, innards of the tent, you can see, but there's no light in here. There is a large cage in the center of the tent um, and it's giving off an arcane energy like a hum. Um, you don't sense the energy itself, but you can hear the hum and it's glowing ever so slightly. The only light that seems to be in this entire area is coming from the general cage. And it's kind of like a dull, very muted blue, silvery color. Within the cage, on their knees, Stripped bare barrel loincloth. Um, looks like it's been beaten to fuck. Is this figure. Strapped around its neck and covering its head. Its arms are tied behind its back. Its head is down. 
but around its head seems to be another cage. But it stretches out, it kind of clasps around their neck and then stretches outwards and is a large box. And when inside the box are these pointed, what look like miniature spears or needles, all pressing against the head and face of this creature. This is also giving off an arcane glow. Um, as you step in, the creature kind of weakly lifts its head. And just at the edge of your perception, at the edge of your mind, you start to hear whisperings. And like, and the feeling that something is trying to just very gently push its way into your mind. Um, you see in front of you a mind flare, its tentacled face. It's kind of, its tentacles is just like quivering and very meekly and weakly at, at the bottom of its jowls. It's got, you don't see a mouth because the, the tentacles overlap the bottom of its jaw. It's two slits where its, its nose should be. It's, it's almond-shaped eyes, all beaten and bruised, one bulging, is looking up at you. There's, it's bloodied, it's cut on its face it kind of looks around and you can feel the prodding ever so slightly. And that is where we're going to take a break for. Oh. <laughs> uh, we're going to take oh a break. We're, we're going to do our, the giveaway prizes uh, after we come back from the break. I will say this, we do have a prize for this episode. I didn't mention it at the start. Thanks sure. to Dublin City Comics, we have another prize. And uh, of course it's in transit, it's on its way, but we have the, um, the brand new from Dark Horse Comics. Um, we have the Critical Role Guide to Exandria. I'm gonna just do this. Yeah, the artwork. Yeah, the artwork uh, book of Exandria. That is the prize for this month's episode. All thanks to Dublin City Comics for their sponsorship and their ongoing sponsorship. Um, that is in transit to me at the moment, so I will have it soon. But that will be the prize. I'll do it again. Ding. That is the prize for this episode. Okay. Um, and we will give you the question for that prize when we come back from the break we will give you the question that you need to answer we will also announce the winners of our two prizes which are um, which has arrived from Dublin City Comics Baldur's Yay. Gate Guide to uh, Descent of Davernus um, we will be telling you who won this and also as a bonus prize thanks to the Critical Role store sending me two of these uh, and I only ordered one we have the Orphan Maker t-shirt uh, of, of the character of Yasha. Uh, this glows in the dark. It's fucking awesome. Oh, uh, nice. Lars, we'll, be, we'll be giving away that as well to the entrance. We have loads of people entered, so thank you so, so much for everyone that entered. Um, so we're going to take a break. We're going to get some food, uh, pee break and all that malarkey, and we will see you here uh, very, very shortly for the question for the, this week's prize, this one's prize, which is the... Where is it? Uh, uh, it, it's post invisible magic and then we will announce the winners of these two prizes as well after the break thank Hi. you so much for watching so far we hope you've enjoyed it it's been full role play malarkey um, that always good and we will see you folks after the break <laughs> Welcome back. Uh, after the break there, folks, we went off, got a bit of food, and now we are back. Um, we are going to do the giveaway. Uh, we have two prizes. We have the Critical Role, Yasha Glow in the Dark, Off and Make a T-shirt, and we have the Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus 
Sourcebook. Um, so we're going to basically do the usual thing. We wrote, we have, we have all the names listed here, and it's uh, listed from one to ten. And I am going to get somebody to roll a d10 and then give me the number. Naomi, can you roll a d10 for me, please? Sure, come. Um, this is for the Orphan Maker T-shirt. We're going to give this away first. Ten. Ten. Right down the end, we have Scott Langton. Langton. Scott Langton is the winner. Congratulations, Scott. Congratulations, Scott. Oh, it's Scott. Skit. Yeah, yeah. It's Skit. Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Skit. So, Scott, um, Scott Langdon, he is the winner of the Orphan Maker t-shirt. We will be in contact with you, Scott, um, to uh, yeah. get your details off you. Um, we will put this in the post to you. Um, next up, we have the whoop. We have a fall. <laughs> <laughs> My camera fell over. Okay, we're going to keep that in. That's impressive. Okay. You rolled a one, Wayne. That was a good angle. It was a good angle. It was like up my nose angle. That's what we want. That's yeah. what the people want. That's some yeah. good crystal maze. More navel hair. It was like... <laughs> anyway, now, it's leaning now, so it can't... It can't uh, it's not going to... Uh, right. So next up, we have... The Baldur's Gate, Descent into Avernus. So the answer for the first... Uh, the answer for the first question was for the t-shirt was... Uh, what is the name of the actress who portrays Yasha in Critical Role? And that is, of course, Ashley Johnson. Uh, everyone would know her from playing the likes of The Last of Us and The Last of Us 2, which is fucking phenomenal. Um, but um, next up, we have the source book. And the question for this one was, um, what is the header? So where is the setting for The Descent of Davern? So it's Baldur's Gate, which is in the title of the source book. Um, so another D10 there, please, Naomi. Wait, roll the other one. No. Six. Six. One, two, three, four, five, six. We have a Philip Gibb. <laughs> Philip Gibb is the winner of the Baldur's Gate Descent into Avenus. Congratulations, Philip. This is yours. And we will get it in the post to you ASAP. We will reach out to both of those winners. Congratulations. And we will get your details off you. And we will send this out to you in the post as soon as possible. Now, for this month's giveaway, we have a copy of this. Ding! Ding! So it's the uh, the Critical Role art book. So it's the, basically the, the, the Critical Role Guide to Alexandria, but it's an art book. So all this, all the fan art from uh, a lot of the critters and some phenomenal artists within the uh, community of Critical Role and under the tutelage of, I think it was Liam O'Brien and um, Talazar Jaffe, they put this book together of all the fan art. So it's a phenomenal tome. So I'll give you again. Uh, I have a copy on order, so with Dublin City Comics. And again, thank you for to Dublin City Comics for their sponsorship, their ongoing sponsorship. While we do this, this mental endeavor of us playing Dungeons and Dragons, uh, they are responsible for giving us all of these prizes. Um, obviously, bar the Critical Role T-shirt, but the source books that they've been supplying us with is directly from them. So do check them out. Their shop, the store, is back open now. Um, they are they, they, are they are maintaining social distancing within the store. You can also do um, uh, online sales through DumbCityComics.com, um, but their shop is open. So do go in. And they are uh, will practice social distancing within the store. They've got clear markings as hand sanitizers. They're doing yep. a great job in there. They look after you. They do. They look after you. Mm -hmm. It's a fair play to them. And thank you again, folks, there for, for looking after us and uh, helping us out with these source books for these prizes and giveaways. Um, so, so for the thanks to Dublin City Comics, we have this uh, month's giveaway uh, thing of the Critical Role book. So, um, the question for this month, because we introduced Mind Flayers into the story. Um, for this episode, I want you, the viewers, to tell us, Mind Flayers, what is the other name for Mind Flayers? They have an official name. 
uh, that isn't Mindflayers. Mindflayers is like the common name for them. So we want to know what the official name is for Mindflayers. Um, so write your answer down below in the comments. And don't forget, you have to share the video on social media, tagging Irish Pubcast uh, in order to be entered into the competition. So what is the official name for Mindflayers? Put it in the comments below and then share either on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. Share the video and tag Irish Pubcast so we know. What happens when you put one into a Smurf Neblin? What happens when you put one into a Smurf Neblin? Yeah. Um, but yeah, what's the official name for Mindflayers? Thank you very much. So without further ado, we are going to dive back into this month's episodes. Yeah. So uh, we left off where the, we're going to basically jump back now because we left you guys with the mind flare in the cage. We're going to jump back to Norman and Ogan, um, who, where last we left them, they were in the grasp of the gargantuan dragon that is Dacius Trevelyan and jumping through a portal um, to an unknown destination. You feel the, the kind of the pulling sensation on your innards and Norman, you feel it even more so because it's just a fresh body. So it's like you're still getting used to it. And there's a tug and a squeeze as you're pushed through this kind of tear in reality as you appear out and you feel this rushing of wind and a whistling through your ears um, as the, the, your eyes adjust to the bright light of, of coming out the other side of this portal. And you hear the beating of a dragon's wings. As you look down, your eyes focus on what looks like um, what was once green fields and um, stretching as far as I can see. You now see fields that are have pot marks all over them, um, mud, dirt, um, chunks of the earth are ripped out. There are bodies everywhere. Um, uh, there's a trail of bodies all strewn across what seems to be a battlefield. Um, Where are you taking us? You Like you're... All you can hear is the whistling of the wind, and you look around. You start to take in your surroundings, um, as you hear the booming voice of Dasis Trevelyan. I have brought you across the realm, back to where this all started for you. And as you look down and across into the horizon. You see the spires, the familiar spires of Terrace Murr breaking the distance as the dragon swoops down through the sky. The, the ground below you coming closer, um, you can hear not so much the large dim of battle, but you hear the large dim of people shouting and, 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 and screaming as they've just seen this huge silver dragon appear out of thin air um, through a tear in reality as it swoops down over the city and circles around. Um, there are screaming, you can see people running on battlements. Uh, you, see, you see the guards, the, the town, the city guards are rushing back and forth. You see people pointing. Um, there's, there's archers all knocking their bows and aiming it to the sky. You hear people screaming. Um, it's just pure chaos below you as the dragon kind of circles around and starts kind of looking for a place to land. You are tight within its grasp, uh, each of you in one of his uh, forearms, uh, forehands, and so the right hand uh, is, is Ogan and, and the left hand is Norman. Um, <clears throat> the dragon kind of, you see it kind of circle and move across and every now and again, uh, you hear the shout of like, a, a quizzical shout of a guard, do we open fire, do we open fire? Uh, oh, it's not attacking, it's not attacking. And as, as like this, 
the size of Dacius, the, the shadow over the city is immense. Like, Terras Mur is a vast city. But his size, the shadow he's casting, covers, like, multiple sections as he flies over. He seems to be looking around for a place to land. Uh, and as he pulls off then, away from the city, because there doesn't seem to be anywhere for him to set down, he aims for the... You see the dragon aim and downwards towards the outside of the gates. As he kind of trundles out, holding up his two front arms... Uh, so you two don't get squashed as he lands he kind of lands on his hunkers down on his hind legs using his tail to keep balance he flaps his wings and then slowly but surely drops down and drops each of you as you tumble and roll out he he kind of is looking around Uh, the, the, the gates firmly closed the battlements are now filled with archers and the two of you tumble out in front uh, pick yourself up off the ground. You now find yourself back at the gates of Terrace Moor. Reese racing very fast. Didn't like the driver. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at least we got a warm wind. welcome home. Like, yeah. What's what, what's what's being pointed at us? You just see um, a line, a line of archers on the on the wall above this particular gate. Because if you remember, there are multiple gates along the city, um, and the gate that you've landed in front of is barred shut. As you look around, you see there is debris everywhere. There seems to have been a battle here at some point very recently. There are bodies still on the ground. It's thick with mud and different coloured bodily fluids of such. Um, Something has happened here recently. It's not the terrace more you left behind because the last time you were here, it was a party, and there were there as far as the I can see, there were tents and um, revelers all outside the city. Now it's completely changed. Something's happened in the space of time we were away, but I think they're pointing arrows at us, or maybe the the dragon guy. Actually, no, it's the dragon guy. We're okay. Yeah, you can you can have him. It's fine. <laughs> we're good um, as you are kind of ex- kind of looking open talking at the, the, the guards uh, on the battlements you hear this large kind of like whooshing sound and a crackle of energy behind you and and this wind kind of comes from behind seems to kind of stagger you a bit ever so slightly and you turn and standing before you is the unassuming form that you are familiar with of Dacius Trevelyan as you first met him. Oh, it's oh, you! Oh, He's a witch! Get him! <laughs> Shoot him! Shall uh, we burn her? <laughs> Does she weigh more than a duck? Um, you, you see him stride forward and kind of looking at you both unassumingly and kind of gestures to follow as he makes his way towards the city gate. Um, he kind of motions up at the, the battlements and he's like I am here to see King Gregor what do the two of you want to do? Um, this seems an awfully roundabout way of getting me home <laughs> it, is all, it is very dramatic he kind of looks he's like I will get you home. This is part of what we need to do in order to get you home. No. Mm. He, he never actually gave you a time. Mm. Don't stretch it out. 
Oh, okay, just to let you know. He kind of turns to you. He's like, and it seems to it's it's it it seems a more stable version of the Dacius that you were used to because the other versions were more frantic. There was always something about them, like they were they were basically fractured in some way. So he kind of turns on both of you. He's like, we have a task to undertake here that is part of the overall plan to get you back to where you belong. We must undertake this task in order to put the gears in motion to get you back to where you belong. So I must ask you to follow me and if I need you to step in, please I'm do. I'm good at doing that. I've been doing that a while, so yeah, lead the way. We must see Arduin Carrick the Black. He is the... Have you met him at any point in your travels? You came from here. Have we heard of his name? This is the Viceroy that you dealt with when you were in Terrace Moor. He sent you to... Ah, yes, the uh, Viceroy. Yeah, he sent you to uh, Breston to investigate the rumours from about Breston. His, his name rings a bell. Um, Viceroy guy, yeah. Dacius gestures towards the guards in the power pit. He's like, I come in peace. I am here to speak to the Viceroy. You may take me into your charge if you wish, but we must enter. Um, on this, yeah. I'm gonna, one second, I'm going to roll for him. Natural 19. You see shuffling on the parapets as the guards kind of move amongst themselves. And after about five or ten minutes, the doors kind of creak and you hear like a, a shifting of stuff behind the doors, like as if they're moving barricades and, and large debris from behind, to keep it barred. And the door kind of creaks open ever so slightly. And a, a, kind of an array of guards, a small platoon of guards, make their way out, kind of jostling around you and forming a circle. The doors then begin to creak open further to make a larger opening. Um, what looks like a captain steps forward and um, her armour seems to be worn and has had a few dints in it. Uh, all of the guards, because if you remember, all the guards in the city are female. Um, they all kind of level their swords or spears uh, at the group and the captain moves forward like, we will take you inside, but be warned, we will be watching every move you make. Uh, the city has been under siege and has only recently fought off its attackers. We are being very cautious. What, what have you been attacked with? She kind of doesn't pay any attention to you. She's addressing directly to Dacius. Um, I'll Dacius, speak up a little bit da and go, what have you been attacked with? Just in she, case they might not hear me. As she kind of looks down, she notices, she looks like, because all to her, you just look like an animal. So she looks mm -hmm. down at you and she's like, creatures. Um, twisted creatures. Some of them taking the form of people that lived in this city, but they weren't them. They were different, infected somehow. It, it seems to stem from what happened to Breston. Um, she, gest she gestures the three of you forward and the guards move in and you're kind of ushered in through the door. Mm -hmm. uh, and as you're making your way in through the door, the doors are shut closed and barricades are put back up. Um, you're led through the streets and as you're led through the streets, you look around and what you see is basically, as she said, it's been a city under siege. Um, the inhabitants, when you last saw them, were in full revelry, but now they look 
downtrodden, hungry. Um, some people are, are just sitting on the streets wearing rags for clothes. Um, there are bodies around the place, some of them um, of, of towns guards, some of them of people. They're being moved, put onto carts um, and moved kind of off to one side, heading down a different section of the city. You're led up through the streets uh, and as you go, the people give you a wide berth because they see the guard around you. Um, Dacius is kind of taking all of this in and is looking back at the two of you every now and again. Hmm. Looks about as nice as I remember. I I I think there's more dead bodies this time. There are. Um not good. No. In fact, no, this place looks way worse than last time. I'll take your word for it, I suppose. Um as you're walking along you're talking amongst yourselves and you're broad is in deep into the into kind of the the depths of this part of the city and up to a building that you recognize and it's the it's the the viceroy's building that you were at previously the where the banquet was um, yeah. but again it looks so different now barricades are up around it there's guards everywhere um the main door is is is, is barricaded in um and on, on either side of the barricade has been moved but it is kind of leading into like this there's kind of like a, not so much stockades but there is um spikes and large wooden poles jutting out this is set up as a defensive area i am um, very much a last line of defense um there are people streaming in and out of the building some looking very important some carrying large heaps of scrolls maps books there are guards milling back and forth uh, of different levels, you see captains, you see lieutenants, you see everyday towns guards, cities guard. Um, you're brought in through the bustling crowd as they're moving back and forth, um, and straight through. As you get in, when you last remember this place, it was a banquet hall. Now it looks like a main staging area for war. There are the the, the what where banquet tables are now cleared off and set up in sections, and you have large clumps of soldiers all been barked at by superior officers who are giving them orders, pointing at large maps on walls, um, maps that pretty much envelop certain sections of the city. Um, Dacius turns to you and is like, has this been like this since I've been gone? Or is this recent? And she's, he's kind of looking at both of you and he's looking at the guards, uh, for anything for answers. Um, it's like, how long has it been like this? Well, when we were last here, there was a party going on. We had to wear nice clothes. Okay, technically, I'm still wearing nice. Okay, technically, I'm still wearing clothes. Yeah, oh, yeah. Exactly. We 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 had to. We, yeah, we we went to a party, and drank loads of food, and everything was clean. And it did. Weird. It did go quite badly at the end. Yeah. Yeah. So not not this badly, from what I remember. No. Marginally less badly. Um, the guard kind of the, the captain of the guard kind of looks back at the two of you and kind of ha as if it's a half recognition on, on on her face, and she's like, "Yes, the banquet that was um, that was close to eight months ago now, uh, huh? at the beginning uh, of all of this." Well, that was two of them, wasn't it? <laughs> um, and she kind of looks a bit puzzled. It's like, I don't know where you've been, but. Things have definitely changed around here. Um, you, you're brought back up to the entranceway at the back of the the the, the uh, where those chairs were, where the viceroy sat during the banquet. The chairs are gone now. It's a straight open into through a doorway and into the back of the area. You're brought in 
to a room that has been completely changed from what the Viceroy's office was. And you see this large table, again, filled with maps and scrolls and um, at the, on the wall, then there's a large map of Terrace Moor. And standing there, kind of looking around and talking to individuals, flanked by the head of the guards, city guards, is that imposing um, female Goliath um, that you saw when you first entered um, the city, sorry, first entered the, the banquet uh, many months ago. Um, you see this imposing character standing quite close to the Viceroy, um, kind of eyeing up the entire room. And as soon as you are all brought in, she just her eye, her attention is drawn straight to you as you enter. Um, you are kind of brought around, and the captain gestures for you to stand back and makes her way up to where the Viceroy is standing, kind of looking over maps and pointing and talking to his advisors around him. Um, the head of the guards basically has not taken her eyes off you as, uh, as soon as you entered. She's just staring three, the three, three individuals down. Um, the wave. captain... Yeah? Oh, you wave. Okay. wave. <laughs> um, the captain, the captain of the guard... Uh, sorry, the captain of the guard goes up to the viceroy and explains. But you see the kind of the nod, the bow, and the kind of the click of the heel, and the viceroy kind of looks up. And as she's speaking, he kind of looks over, and his eyes—you can't—he can't help but there's a bit of a surprise on his face, and he's taken aback. Um, and he kind of falters a wee bit, and then looks. You see him kind of half look back over his shoulder at the at the head of the guards. And then kind of nods and, and waves at the, the captain of the guards. Uh, looks over at Dacius for a, a while, for a minute or two, and then looks at both of your faces and kind of is puzzled. Um, he then kind of speaks to two advisors to his right, and they kind of gesture at the rest of them, and they clear the room, leaving the three of you, himself, and the head of the, the town, the city's guards. He kind of moves forward as like, I'm surprised to see you here, Trevelyan. I'm even more surprised to see these two traitorous bastards with you. What? For the record, you've never seen me before. <laughs> That's, That's a fair true, point. actually. He hasn't seen the elf before. He only recognises Ogan. Hmm. A bit, bit rude. Yeah. <laughs> I've never even well, been here. How dare you? I don't know who this individual is. I'll retcon that one because I sl- in my head I'm still thinking Norman. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Uh, he looks at the uh, the young elf. He's like, I don't know who this is, but this traitorous little creature. Is what you on about traitor? We 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 sorted that 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 plant problem. Really? Well, you've sorted the plant problem, really. That's interesting to hear, considering we've been laid to siege after the fall of the fall of Breston. No thanks to your lack of efforts. All of this is because of you and your companions. All of it. You were sent to find out what the problem was, and you could have warned us. But we have fallen to this calamity because of your actions. Um, at this point, Dacius kind of, kind of perks up and was like, um, might I add, uh, you may think you know who I am, but I am at a loss for you. You, you see, 
you've met one of my proxies per se, but you haven't met me. I am the real deal, the definite article, you might say, um, of, of the Dacius Trevelyan. So, if you wouldn't mind explaining to myself and my companions what all of this is, you would appreciate it. Um, the voice guy looks pissed. He looks really pissed. Um, I'm gonna, just one second. Um, can both of you roll perception for me, please? Yeah. Um, oh, cool. And uh, Norman, you can roll with advantage actually in this situation. Oh, I got a twenty-one. Ooh, now that's worse. Okay. <laughs> so what did you get? I got my highest was a ten. Ten. Okay. And um, both of you, and Norman, actually, you kind of sense something extra on this one, but uh, Ogan, you noticed that. Um, particularly with that high roll, you notice that the Viceroy, as far as you remember, there seems to be something off about him at this point. There's, he's not, he's not being fully honest, and he's giving ever so every now and again when he's talking, he's giving a sideways glance to the head of the guards, who's moving, kind of shifting again behind him and staying very close to him at all times. Um, Norman, what you sense, you sense. Uh, there is an arcane energy in the room kind of emanating off the Viceroy. And you don't remember, you don't remember the last, when you were here the last time, that that was the case. You don't remember him being of that high a level of, you were aware that he was a magic user, but this particular level of energy that's coming off him is throwing you ever so slightly. Um, And you kind of sense that Dacius is feeling it as well, hence the reason for him kind of asking the questions that he's asking. Um, the Viceroy kind of looks at the three, three of you and he's like what brings you here now? Why now? Well he did. Yeah, the dragon did. He brought yeah. us here. I don't know why now. because He's being awfully cryptic. Ask him. As soon as, well, you, say, you, as, soon as you say the dragon did The look on the Viceroy's face is one of pure horror. He can't, he can't hide it. He, he can't, he, like he's just thrown for it. Because the word hadn't reached him yet. Oh. <laughs> the captain of the guard, somehow, unbeknownst to you, failed to mention that Dacius was a dragon. Um. And you look and you see a smile appear on Dacius's face. It's like, yes, um, I was wondering if that piece of information was going to let slip. I seem to have charmed your captain of the guards, but my colleagues here are ones for speaking their minds. Oh, we weren't meant to say. I'm so tired of all this bullshit. Just, yeah, he's a dragon. He brought us here. Ask him. Um, we have a task, apparently. I don't fucking know. <laughs> I'm kind of curious as to why this is all our fault. The um, Viceroy, the Viceroy at this that. point... Yeah, fuck you. The, vo- <laughs> the Viceroy <laughs> at this point storms out of the room. He basically pushes past you and quickly storms out of the room, uh, heading back down the corridor, out into the large open area. Um, hey, that's teen, that's teen Norman's move. How rude. Yeah, we're um, the ones. We're the ones who storm out when we don't get our way. How dare he? 
Follow yeah, closely behind. Closely, follow closely behind by the head of the guards, who seems to be trying to keep you at a at a distance with her large mask, kind of keeping you behind the viceroy as he storms out into the main area. Um, he makes his way out, and in a large booming voice, declares to the rooms like, "Please form up on the council. We need the council immediately. We have an immediate situation. The council must address." Um, his booming voice kind of reaches out into the into the into the hallway, into the hall, and a lot of people kind of start to shift about, and you hear shouts from individuals saying, "Council members, council members!" A um, few individuals start to make their way forward and um, through the bustle, um, and you two, you notice at least you recognize at least two of these individuals. Um, two gnomes. No, one one is the who you taught was the tailor that accompanied you to the ah. banquet ah. uh, of the name of Swift. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's cool cat. Um, Swift kind of very quickly makes his way through the crowd um, deftly and appears standing in front of you, um, followed closely behind the tabaxi female, who you remember as Claw of the Sky, who's the representative from Henrik's uh, point. She also stands up and moves forward and next to Swift. There are a few other council members that make their way forward. Uh, a dwarf, uh, a half-orc. Um, roll a history check for me for a second, please. Both of you. Okay. See if you remember this. That's done off intelligence. Um, for a 20, but not a nap. Okay. Uh, history check is done off in, in intelligence, yes. Ogan has a, no, a plus zero modifier, so whatever you roll. Yeah, I just got 12. Well, Norman, what did you get? 20. Norman, you recognize the half-orc as being... Um, I'm trying to remember back who accompanied Stinky Talazar to get yeah, his... Yeah. To get his pole made. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, that over him. but the half-orc is one Thorin Axeblood who steps forward, his imposing figure tearing Axeblood. over. Um, he seems to he is, seems to be now adorned with heavy armor um, and carrying two and, and, and draped at his side are two large um, hand axes. Um, he has a, a long billowing crimson cloak draping off his left side. Um, he steps forward. The three council and the other council members: a dwarf, a human male, uh, and then a, a female elf. All move forward. These six members kind of move forward, and seats are produced and a space is cleared. Um, the Viceroy kind of stands in the centre and then turns and points accusingly at Dacius Trevelyan and in, in, in turn then at the both of you. Uh, in bellowing uh, at the council, saying, these individuals are the reason we are in the situation we find ourselves in. These individuals caused the fall of Breston and the attack on this city by this red evil menace well, that's just clearly not true they must stand for their crimes and it is down to the council to decide their punishment and we're going to cut back to the other tree okay okay now so you all find yourselves in this tent with a mind flare chained and caged yeah you're in bed sorry the two you're in bed having a kip um apologies if you went off and had, had a bit of a sleep um 
you to find yourself in this um, tent within this cage you find a mind flayer um, who seems to also have this cage with these horrible wicked looking barbs that are sticking into their head um, do we recognize mind flayer when we see it yeah have i ever seen anything have like that you've no you're like i mean you can roll both roll the history track see if you're aware of the, the stories of mind flayers and the history of them and see if that's a thing that you know uh 12 Sorry. <laughs> Six. Um, no, you haven't really, in, in your travels, you haven't really heard of mind flayers as such. You don't really know much about them. But looking upon this creature now, even in its weakened state, it's a horrible looking thing. It's all tentacles and domed heads. Um, and Abigail kind of circles around the cage and uh, kind of, you can see the look of disgust on her face. As she looks upon this creature, she goes, this is the creature and its kind that are responsible for bringing us here, as far as I'm aware. But... You know where they come from? They... From what this one has told us under dress, they come from all planes. They live across the different planes of existence. They are they are dwellers on multiple levels of existence and they feed on everything that lives within those planes, including ourselves. We are to them just cattle. They see us nothing more than that. Toys to be played with. They are vile, evil creatures that cannot be trusted. We have held this one here to question it after killing most of its kind within the asylum. But we fear that more arrive through these portals of such that they seem to have embedded throughout the dwelling. What he has told us so far is that they were brought here to create creatures, melding our bodies with these entities from other planes of existence, making us vessels of evil to do the bidding of who knows what. That we have yet to find out. I will continue to question it, but I believe we've come to the end of what we can get out of him. If you have anything you wish to ask, please feel free. Uh, okay, I'm going to turn to the creature and in utter hubris just say, are there more of you coming? Um, he kind of twitches ever so slightly and kind of looks towards uh Abigail and kind of he kind of twists in his shackles a bit um, he kind of looks back at you and there's a, you can't really tell if there's a puzzled look on his face but his almond shaped eyes kind of squint ever so slightly um, and you you hear like a, a kind of a whisper you, you hear it but you also feel it in your mind ever so slightly 
but you hear it and it's like You feel like the sense of unease you hear you feel in yourself when you hear his voice. Does like, he Ugh. does he just respond to coding or does everybody hear his response? Um you all hear like you hear the responses like it's spoken, like the, the tentacles kind of flap when you hear the speaking ever so slightly. Yeah. But you, you hear it as a voice, but you can feel it in your mind yeah. as well. I better start believing in ghost stories, son. <laughs> Anyway, so uh, um, I am going to. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, I am going to. I am going to ask again: Is conquest your mission? Everywhere. It kind of seems to rile against this and twist in its in its manacles and its its captive sections, and you see for the first time you see Abigail kind of lift her hand and she kind of turns it ever so slightly. There's a kind of an arcane glow from her hand and the box around its head twists slightly and you see the needles kind of move inwards and the creature kind of, and the tentacles are kind of flapping open. You can feel this kind of like, it's like there's like a heaviness in the room emanates from the creature, like a, um, as this kind of wave of pain emanates out of it. Mm. Abigail kind of gets close into the cage. Answer her questions. Um, it kind of twists and turns and looks at Abigail slight, in the slight disgust and then looks over at, at you and moves forward in the cage. It's like, And it kind of moves in and leans closer and you kind of feel the urge to lean in a bit more. Uh. <laughs> and we had fun. No. At this, at this point, Aratir takes out her battleaxe axe and with the side of it smacks the cage around his head. Well, the, he's, it's, it's in it. There's a cage and then he's in the cage with the cage around okay, his head. Okay, smacks so the cage. cage. Yeah. Smacks the big cage in in fury because I had enough of this. She does not like when people fuck with others, particularly animals and particularly innocents. And the idea that he came here to fuck up, that it came here with others to have fun, really royals her. Um, it as you bang on the cage, it kind of you see it reel back in obvious pain. It's like ah, and it scuttles as as best it can into the corner of the cage, as far away from you as it can get. Um, the the kind of the cage around its head rattles and it bangs itself against the against the other cage, and you see the needles kind of embed ever more, and there's seepage of 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 fluid kind of seeping down the side of its head and out of the wounds that it, on the side that it banged off. It's kind of like ah, um. Abigail kind of leans in and puts her hand on the cage and looks down and you see her, her, her right hand then turns again and the arcane energy 
uh, emanates out and the, ca the cage rattles and pushes inwards. And you see, you hear it screaming, you hear the sound and you can feel it in your mind, it's pain. And it's like, it, it starts to breathe heavily as she kind of leans in. Um, it, it kind of looks back up at Aratir and looks at Codeine. We were brought by the one from this realm. The creature that wanted to do what we want to do. It wants to rule all. It is powerful. Uh, and it paid us with the minds of our victims. His name is Kuval. Dillus Kuval. Okay. All right. Um, I, take, I take note of that and then I ask, um, is it possible to... Mm, uh, how do we keep you out in the future? Can we close the portals? Um, it kind of it's it's kind of moving in a jerking fashion in the cave cage now, and as it kind of twitches and back and forth in its shackles, and it kind of looks up at you and is like, "We did not create the portals, and we cannot close them. Only that's only Kuval. Okay, all right." We need to find this Kuval guy then. Um, Abigail then kind of reaches in and looks at both of you and she's like, is there anything more you need of this creature? We, we have not been able to find out a name, but you have and you had the right questions to ask. They are slippery and always trying to find kinks in your armor of your mind. You both seem quite strong in that regard. But we have contained it with this contraption of, we have a, a sorcerer within our ranks who has uh, dabbled in such things. Um, they are from a, a plane that has dealt with these creatures uh, at great length. Would the people that came from different, from, would your compatriots that came from different planes like to go back or are they staying here now, do you think? Our main goal is to go home. We we need to go home, but we need to make sure that this will not continue. We are not going to be stuck in a cycle of of torment and torture. These creatures must die. This Kuval creature must pay for his crimes. And then we can return home, safe in the knowledge that we will not be pulled back here. Okay. Uh, there. If we get... So we have... The person who created the portals, presumably there are a lot of people here that can create portals. This particular person uh, reached a certain part of the of the planes of existence to specifically target these creatures. So if we find uh, this person, we could possibly send everybody home. Um, I presume if you've done fifty years of defense, you've probably served your party. Like you've, yeah, I, I like you've served your time at that point. And if we can get you back, we'll get you back. 
She just Abigail looks at you both and with a kind of there is a a, a, a look of gratitude, but slight skepticism as well. Um it's like this is a grave undertaking and a huge task and a huge thing to ask of you. But we are willing to help in any way we can. We will fight. Yeah, we've had worse gods stacked against us. <laughs> uh, we have. We'd be delighted to adventure with you to the end of this particular thread. If um, that's what you would, if you're willing to come with us on the rest of the trip. We need to find out where this Kuval is. These creatures might know. Yeah, um, I, uh, I, I suggest we put it to our friend over here. Um, upon you saying that, she just literally turns and in full force her hand twists into a fist and you see the creature twist back in pain um, as the cage just encloses it in its head and the needles pierce deeper as it falls back writhing and you hear in your mind you hear this scream, this high-pitched scream um, and as Abigail leans in in her, in her full dragonborn vicious state just screams where is Kuval? Where is he? Where shall we find him? Where can we end him? Um, you, you see, like you, she was calm up to this point, but now that Endgame is in sight for her, now that the idea that there is a chance that she can go home, yeah, she is like just full on. I need this information. Yeah. Um, after the creature calms down and the screaming stops and the, the, the kind of the pain subsides enough, its breathing is, is deep and it's just rapid. It's, it's chest rising up and down. It's laying on its back. It's twisted its legs and hands twisted behind it. And you just hear this one word pierce into your minds. And it's a familiar word that you've all heard before. Bar, obviously, Abigail. But you just hear, Terrace Moore! Terrace more over and over again repeated over and over again in, in, in your heads and then all of a sudden the creature slumps motionless he did unmoved goo seeping from its orifice in its where its ears will be its almond shaped eyes dripping its blood uh-uh. out of its Living mouth it's twisted and broken form fully fucked up basically um Abigail turns to the boat and he's like, do you know what this Terrace Moor is? What, where it is? Was it a place? Is it a person? It's a place. It's a person. We must travel there. Um, we have means and ways of getting there, but it, it may take some time. But And you have your dragon mounts as such. I think for now, right now, we need to rest. Um, we need to eat and prepare ourselves for the trip. Are you willing to take this trip now? Um, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to take this trip as soon as we're prepared. I think uh, rest and preparation is the way to go next. And we've, we've lost, lost Kim. She was frozen for a couple of minutes before we lost and her. And she's back. And she's back. And she's back in the room. Okay. Three, back in the room. Okay. Now, <clears throat> um, so you're willing to take the trip. We we can rest up. Your colleague, um, the tiefling, is, is is resting as such. Clearly, he has been through a lot. A dead husband, a dead best friend. It can take its toll. Bless him, poor Loran. <laughs> uh, been through a lot in the last little while. Um, <clears throat> and doesn't he have the constitution for it, really. He's a gentle soul, soul, really. He likes to he likes to um, put up uh, a, a facade of bravado, 
um, and he likes to think he's as tough as the rest of us, but, and he is in his own way, but he's, a, he's had a bit of a doozy the last while, so just, you know, uh, be mindful of that. Well, I think we should prepare uh, myself and Gore. She'll accompany you on this. We can, we can actually, if you wish, if you wish to go there quickly, once you rest up tomorrow morning, first thing, our, our portals, our travel, travel mechanisms allow us to travel. If you are aware of where you're going, if you can yes. picture it in your mind, we can get there. Um, we have yeah, quite, we we've, quite a, we've quite a collection of, of magic users here. Um, that can give us the ability to travel. Um, we certainly know where we're going, so that will expedite our journey. Excellent, excellent. Um, well, that's it settled that we know where we're going. I cannot believe it after all this time. Okay, so we're doing this. <laughs> Looks like. <laughs> um, you're led back out of the tent. The, the stench now that's emanating from this Mind Flayer's dead body is starting to get a bit more. Um, he's ripe. He's ready to go. Um, so um, you're led back through the through the caverns, and you're both given uh, dwellings for the evening, a tent as such to rest um, and rest up. The ran is for reports to come back. Gore then meets you and says, "Oh, your friend. He's he's having a sleep. He's he's well rested, I guess." The ran is there anything else you want to do at this point, or are you definitely resting? Oh, I'm I'm sleeping. Great. <laughs> Yeah. Just wanted to make sure. Well, I'm pumped out. You're brought by, brought by where Laurent's tent is, and you look in, and on a cot, you see face down, snoring his brains out, kind of drooped out. You just see this Laurent completely naked in their tent, um, just lying, just to keep themselves comfortable. Um, their tiefling butt shining in the, in, in the cavern light. Um, and nice. So, um, you are given your dwellings for the evening. Um, and for the sake of brevity, unless there's something else you folks want to do, um, you have you have your rest. A little rest, grand. Um, and you wake the next morning, and you're met by Gore and Abigail as they stand in kind of the central area of where the group of tent the group of tents are in this section. Um, they kind of like check that each other around. Have you joined them at this point? Yeah, I suppose. Um, <laughs> So Corval was that um, drow necromancer that we don't know about, that the other guys were told about, right? Exactly, yeah. So you were told the name, but you weren't given any description of him. You just yeah, given yeah. the name. We just um, know he's a bad man. Yeah. So, um, Loran has joined you, and do you, I take it everyone wants to fill in Loran on what's going on. Yeah, I'll, I'll fill him in. Yeah. Okay. Oh, absolutely. I also think Aradir should do it. <laughs> yeah, no... No, I'm good. You're good with what? Not this. You're you're <laughs> you're not coming with us to Terrace Moor. Well, no, I'll go to Terrace Moor. I just don't want to partake in the whole, you know, bad guy scenario. Yeah, because We've fought a lot of them, and there's always another one. So when we're done with this one, there's going to be another one, and really, it's getting a bit. I'm just a bit tired um so i would actually like to just go back and live a really nice life not involved with all of this bullshit where will we go though loran you told me that you don't really have anybody anymore well 
That's true, but I'm very charismatic, so I can make friends pretty easily. This is true, but you're my friend and I'd miss you if you left. That's very sad, but you can come to visit. I don't know, I'll find Swift. He was alright. <laughs> yeah, you're just He had a nice cat. He probably has a nice house. He has a shop. He's probably doing well for himself. I could be a housewife. It'd be nice. Okay, so you're willing to travel with us, but when we get to Terrace Moor, you want to part ways? Yeah, yeah. Not permanently with you. Permanently with Codeine, for sure. But... <laughs> um, a big time. <laughs> fucking hate Codeine. <laughs> <laughs> this is all with an earshot of it. Like, you're literally all... The, 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 the five of you are all kind of standing in a circle, and Abigail and Gore are kind of just looking at each other while all this has happened, going... I thought it, I thought it was a thief that stabbed people in the back. Oh. <laughs> I've been very upfront about my. I know, I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> um. So uh, Abigail's like, okay, so um, uh, we're we're all going to this terrace more place then, yes? Yes, that's it. Excellent. Okay, and you're. Your emotionally compromised friend may not be traveling further than that with us. Okay, that's fine. Not emotionally um, compromised, that's a bit well, harsh. You, I'm actually dealing with everything quite well, considering. Well, I'd, I'd be emotionally compromised if I lost my husband and my best friend all within the Oh, same yes, weekend. but we've been divorced for like years. Oh, okay. Well, you, I don't you, remember divorcing you. Through <laughs> <laughs> um, the ether, you just hear this voice. Um, so, uh, it's like, well, mm -hmm. we need to go to one of our transportation circles. Um, it is off this direction, and we we should make our way. Um, you notice as you're moving off, a lot of worried faces are kind of following you because you're taking their leader basically with you, um, as well as one of her higher-up captains. Um, but this is her decision. This is what she's made um, to do because she wants out. Um so you are making your way through the caverns, through the caves, and you, for about five minutes, you're walking, um, kind of talking amongst yourselves um, about what the next steps are going to be. So do, do you want to do anything at this point, or do you want to just skip ahead and go to the transportation? Let's, uh, you good, Artyr? You up for some adventuring? Yeah, why not? Let's get going. I hope it's not going to match the vision you had. That would be unfortunate. Um, yeah, and that's why I'm kind of, you know, I want that temperamental little bastard to stay with me because that vision still yes. haunts me. Uh, and uh, I've kind of grown accustomed to you guys. Cool. Well, uh, when you're when you're visualizing Terrace more to get us there, please don't visualize the one that you saw in your trance. No, I'm going to focus on the one we left behind. Yes, preferably with a party. Yeah, that was a good party, man. That banquet was pretty fun. It was fucking lit. <laughs> <laughs> and you looked spectacular. I still do. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bit grubbier than we uh, than we were that day. No, you're always beautiful. Oh, thanks. Aww. Aww. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I've already checked. I went over to the to the um, goblin with all the daggers uh, to ask him if he's on Bumble, so I can send him our tears away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so D- see what happens there. D D version of Bumble. Um, so, Rumble. <laughs> Rumble. Uh, yes. So. Um, you are as you're talking. You're making your way through the corridors, and you end up in, in another familiar circular area. With on the on the ground, you see this large kind of um, intricate diagram, um, crisscross lines and script, all basically written out on the floor. Um, you notice that there are three individuals kind of surrounding it outside of it, uh, and they're all cloaked in the in familiar look of, uh, of garb of the lost, all wearing their their brooch. And they kind of, the, the main one gestures for you all to kind of take your place in the center of, of the circle. And um, it's a female elf and her wispy voice kind of reaches you from across the cavern. It's like, now, for this to work, I need all of you to try and picture this place in your mind. If you've been there before, picture what you remember. And hopefully we will be able to get you there and one piece um so for this i need we don't all have a d100 you can roll 2d 10s yeah so if everyone that's what i say if everyone rolls 2d 10s okay yeah Uh, one okay 44 44 chill i did that arse way hang on We do have a D one hundred, but it's I got a nine and a five. So what, what what way are you doing it? Oh, do you have does your D ten? Do you have one with like two numbers on it, like this? Yeah. So see the way the D ten is like it's. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So roll that twice. No, roll that and the one with the single numbers. The one with the double yeah. numbers is going to be your fifty whatever, and then yeah. the single number will be like your yeah. second digit, last digit. Yeah. Okay, so we've got sixty uh, and a seven. Okay, so 67. Naomi, what did Lorraine get? Uh, 21. 21. And Cody, what did you get? I got 44. I'm going to roll for either two. Oh, that's a good one. That's another good one. Both of those got 80. Oh, wow. Okay. Abigail got an 80 and a 20, so she got 100. Um, actually, no, she got 82. 82, yeah. 82, 82. 82. Sorry, 82. 82. And then... Gore got 83. So, you're all standing in the circle. The circle then starts to glow as the three individuals around it start to chant. And you feel this kind of strange surge and pulling sensation. As you picture Terrace Moore in your mind's eye, um, all three of you are trying to remember it the way you left it. Um, I take it, what, what are you all thinking of when you're thinking of Terrace Moore? Norman. <laughs> No, you're thinking of Norman, are you? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you're thinking of the who said the party? Okay, and and uh, Arts here. What are you thinking of? Um, my fly ass armor that I got designed for that party because it was both beautiful and practical. Cool. Okay, so all of your thoughts combined with those roles, your thoughts you, combined, you feel this. Pulling sensation uh, in deep in your chest, and the air gets sucked out of your lungs, and all of a sudden, 
and it feels like for a second your head is just going to go pop and then you find yourself pushed and falling and then you're landing on your feet hit cold stone um, and you kind of stumble a bit and then you look up and each of you are, are surrounded by each other and you look up and there's Abigail and there's Gore and you hear this booming voice at the top of the room screaming and you look up and your eyes start to focus and you find yourself that you're in the banquet room but it doesn't look like the banquet room anymore it's tables surrounded by soldiers but they're all looking in the opposite direction at the top of the room you see a a table with six individuals behind it and pacing back and forth in front of the table is the viceroy arduin Carrick the black the turd and then off to the side he is a turd as you're taking it in you see the long sinewy form of Dacius Trevelyan flanked mm-hmm. by Ogan and Norman. Better. Yeah. And just, hey, you guys! Just as you land in, you hear Viceroy turn and point directly at the trio and say, These three must answer for their crimes. The sentence must be death. <gasps> and that is where we're going to leave the episode in this one's <laughs> podcast play. <Dungeons laughs> Okay. Oh man. Bring it on. Okay. Uh, thank you to the players. Thank you to everyone who's tuned in. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed it. Um, that was a, a wild ride for me as a DM to kind of get the groups going and, and see if we could work everyone around. Um, I hope uh, that was informative. There was a lot of information in that one. No, so you may not. have to kind of rewatch a few bits of that to see if the lore that was dropped in there kind of it's it's part of the main story so kind of keep your eye on it thank you to the players thank you to everyone thank you um um, this has been podcast plays Dungeons dragons don't forget and thank you to dublin city comics for um our sponsorship you could win one of these win what um it's an invisible tome tome. it's a thing from dungeon dragon but you can win one of the beautiful art books of the, the Critical Role, Exandria. Um, I keep forgetting the actual title of that book. It's just a guide to Exandria or something. But it's, it's a, the a artwork of Exandria. There we go. Thank you, yeah. Naomi. So the artwork of Exandria. It's a gorgeous book. Um, and it is en route to me to be sent to whoever wins the competition. So answer the simple question. What are Mind Flayers otherwise known as in the realm of D&D? So what are my flares otherwise known as? Put the answer in the comments below and share this video on social media. Tagging podcast. Make sure you tag podcast. Share and so, tag. Or share and tag. You can yeah. share it from our Facebook page or from our Twitter feed or wherever you see it on social media. Uh, and this art book could be yours. Congratulations to our winners for our giveaways for the, the book and the Baldur's Gate Sense of Avernus and the uh, t-shirt giveaway as well. Um, they will be in the post to you. As soon as I contact you and get your postal details, they will go out to you. Uh, this has been Podcast Plays Dungeons and Dragons. Thanks again to our sponsorship, Dumbsby Comics. Thank Woo! you to the players, and yep. we will see you next month for episode twelve. Woohoo! Bye! Which episode? Twelve.